it's a, a matter that I think is quite critical to all of us. Um, am I audible, good people? Yes, Chair, you are. No, you okay. are, Chair. Okay. Uh, let me welcome everyone, as I've said. Um, and today we are dealing with a very crucial and uh, very serious matter. Um, I don't want to even waste time. Um, let me go straight to the business of the day. Are there any apologies? Uh, yes, Chair. Good morning, Chair, Honorable Members and our guests. I've got apology from Mr. Lana. He's also traveling, Chair. And then I've got an apology from Mr. Roger Baxter. He's off sick, but Ibelo is, is leading the delegation from Minkosa. And the apology yeah. from Noom Sade for other engagements, Chair. Thank you. Okay. Uh, being the case, Ari, can you flag the program? The, for today. Let me try and then slash my screen. Um, there is a Minkosa, and I'm sure you will introduce your delegation when you start. <laughs> And then we will have uh, NUM, and then we'll have AMCO. Um, I'm, I'm informed that uh, uh, I think let's also deal with the letter of apology from um, Solidarity before we, we go further. And then the, um, I'm sure committee members will then have uh, questions of clarity as well as comments. Can I then uh, give it uh, before this Yuasa after uh, Amku? Can I also give, um, can you also read the letter, uh, Ari or Ayanda, from uh, Solidarity, please? Thank you, Chair. We received the via email from Gideon Duplessis, who's the General Secretary of Solidarity. We received the email on the 11th of March. Dear Ariko, I acknowledge receipt, but I'm not sure if Solidarity will participate. In the previous two meetings on the same topic, we were treated with total disrespect by certain members, and I can't see why I should again enter the platform just to be verbally abused by members. If there is no tolerance for our view, then I don't see the purpose for us attending. Best regards, Gideon Duplessis, General Secretary, Solidarity. Members, um, when we, I'm, I'm making this thing so that when we deal with the questions of clarity and comments, uh, members will be free and uh, allowed to make comments also on the nature of the the apology i don't want us to stick too much on that now which uh, may may take its own time so i will allow and i'll open up uh, when we deal with the questions of clarity members to comment on the on the apology but also i'll provide what i think for me it's supposed to be a better clarity on how to handle the matter 
Can I then uh, give in uh, the platform to Minkosa? I'm not sure who's leading the delegation. Uh, I'm, I'm just informed, uh, Timelo, that uh, the CEO is is um, is has got a leave of uh, uh, absence for sick leave. So I assume that uh, you will take over, or or bring, I'm not sure who's leading the delegation. Um, Chair, I hope you can hear me. And everybody else can hear me? Yes, no, no, I hear you properly. Thank you, Chair. You can continue. Um, thank you, Chair. Um, Chair, as, as noted, uh, our CEO, Roger Baxter, is ill. Unfortunately, um, Roger is going through a bit of a tough time. His mother recently passed away, and, and he is ill. So um, we're hoping that by next week um, he will be at full strength. So he can't join us today, but we're joined by quite a team today. Um, I'm joined by my colleagues, uh, Nikki Silusufi, who's also a senior executive at the Minos Council, colleagues uh, Alex Kumalo on the social performance, Aubrey Ramawa, uh, who interacts, as you know, with the local parliament, Fundi Sondaba, who, uh, who, who is in transformation, Ellen uh, Sekam on media, and Grant uh, Mitchell uh, on the junior minors. So we've got uh, quite a big team here. Chair, if, if it's okay, I'll try to um, share a presentation with you. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that I'll be able to, uh, to, get, to get the right one. Let me see if I can maybe just share the screen. Um, I don't know if you can see uh, the presentation, uh, Chair and, and, and members. We can. Um, just please put it on presentation mode. Yes, yes, I can see it. Okay, thank you very much. Um, Honourable members, uh, thank you very much for this opportunity to present to you on this um, critical matter. Um, we always welcome the opportunity to, to engage uh, with, the, with the portfolio committee in this regard. So thank you, really thank you very much. Recording in progress. Um, Moving on to the, the next um, slide, I'm just trying to see how I get the slides to change. Okay. Um, the, the, some of the key issues that I want to highlight, and, and, and honorable members in this presentation, is the basis of the legal challenge. And, but to remind the portfolio committee that we did not challenge the entire charter. We challenged very few provisions in the charter. The majority of the charter remains intact in, in, in and untouched. Secondly, the judgment does not mean the end of transformation for the mining industry. We have been committed to transformation uh, already even before and since the first mining charter, and we will continue our transformation journey, even if the status of the charter has been uh, clarified and certain issues have been uh, clarified. Um, and lastly, we want to say the minister has always had powers to enforce transformation through the MPRDA, and then we will, we will come to talk to these issues. So the basis of the legal challenge uh, and the review is stems from the fact that the MPRDA is the primary and the principal act regulating the industry. It is the document that went to Parliament and was endorsed by Parliament. The Mining Charter is a policy document, not legislation. 
And, and Chair, you know, as you know, we have been uh, attending portfolio committee meetings for some, certainly some, nearly some decades now. And this point has been emphasized at all times. I mean, I certainly personally have been in these meetings where this point has been um, emphasized for the last um, almost now uh, 20 years. The, unfortunately, the charter, the current charter, proceeded from a fatally incorrect premise that it is a legislative instrument which could impose legal obligations on mining right holders in conflict with and in addition to that of the NPRDA. Um, the minister was of the view that he had power to make law via the charter, which is which is incorrect. The, the law, the ability to make law, comes from the NPRDA. The attempt by the minister to create legal obligations through the Charter also led to contradictions between the Charter and the NPRDA and other legislation. That is a critical point to remember. So if you look at what are the legislative avenues available to the minister, um, the, the judgment does not mean that there are no longer any obligations for mining right holders to transform. On the contrary, the judgments uh, re-emphasized the, uh, the imperative and objective to transform. Mining right holders are, yes, they are free to essentially be doing transformation in, in many ways, but the minister is authorized in terms, in terms of the uh, terms and conditions of the mining right grant uh, to impose, sorry, the minister is authorized to impose terms and conditions in terms of the mining right granted. In this regard, Section 23.6 of the MPRDA provides, amongst other things, that the mining right is subject to the terms and conditions as stated in the right. After the grant of the right, the holder has the obligation to report annually, um, annually to the DMRE, and the DMRE does site inspections and audits. So uh, the minister is very much entitled to impose conditions and to ensure on an annual basis that they're getting the reports and to do um, site inspections and audits. Both these sections also deal, uh, they, de they deal with compliance in terms of section 2D and, do, and 2F, you know, 2D referring to the expansion of opportunities of HDSAs and 2F employment and social economic welfare of the charter, as well as in, the, in a social and labor plan. The critical thing that we need to remember, uh, normal members, is that you know, you know, if you if you remember, there are three essentially three critical documents that come um, from a mining right. It's, it is the mine work pro mine work plan, uh, the EMPR relating to environmental obligations, and the social and labour plan. These are binding documents, and they form essentially the the engine. Um, if you look at the SLP, the SLP is really the embodiment of what is happening in terms of transformation. If a holder fails to comply in terms of the rights and obligations, uh, the minister has the power to take action against that company. The presentation will, will go through quite a few um, uh, elements. Um, we, we, we won't go through all of them in great detail. Uh, in terms of the contribution to the economy, uh, our progress, and uh, but we will also then get to talking about some of the challenges that we face as an industry and the, the, the details of which provisions were reviewed 
and um, also certainly some outcomes and our proposed way forward. Very briefly, Honourable Members, the mining industry, as we last saw in the last financial uh, term, is the foundation of the South African economy. Um, if you look at our contribution to GDP, it increased by uh, 11% to $480 billion. Our contribution is, uh, to GDP uh, went from 71.1% to 8.7%. Our exports have gone up or went up. And, and then, yes, this is uh, to a large extent on the back of uh, strong commodity prices. But you will also recall that the industry was one of those that said we need to get back to work in the context of COVID. Um, to get back to work in the context of COVID, um, essentially, which was essential for the country. Not only for the mines, but the employees, but also for the country. And these numbers show it. You do have these slides, so I'm not really going to go to them in any detail. I just want to leave you with one thought, though, that's absolutely critical. If you look at the contributions by the various sectors uh, to the fiscus, the extra contributions, um, I, I think the figures are 120 billion rands, that extra 120 billion that went to the fiscus, 100 billion of that, that came from mining. If it wasn't for the mining sector, the President Ramaphosa would not have been able to extend the social grants as he did in the last uh, budget meeting. So it's, it's very important to remember the contribution of mining, not only to, to uh, local economies, provincial economies, but also to the country at large. This slide just talks to the various mining charters that we have had and how we have progressed in terms of our uh, uh, transformation. But honorable members, bear in mind that we signed, as an industry, the first mining charter. We call the Mining Charter 2004. One of our members know that for, for uh, laws in the country do not require the signature of those that are governed to be laws. It was very clear what the charter was meant to be, almost a form of compact for the industry. And that is why the parties signed it in 2004. We wanted to share with you some of um, some of our transformation progress uh, data. Now, this is a report that we published in 2019 based on the Mining Charter 2010. Now, I apologize. This is the most recent data that we have related to transformation. I mean, uh, we do report to the DMRE on an annual basis in terms of how we are transforming. Um, unfortunately, the DMRE does not publish that data on an annual basis. I think we are now moving into the, um, the third reporting cycle, if I'm not mistaken, uh, 19, 20, 21. No, actually the fourth reporting cycle. Um, but we, we, don't, we don't have data. So this is the data that we put together as the mining industry uh, using the data from our members. But what it does show clearly is the substantial compliance with transformation by the mining sector. So to say that the mining industry is not transforming is, is not correct. This data shows, on the contrary, quite the opposite. You know, the industry is doing well, relating, meeting its targets that it had in terms of certainly mining charter two, mining charter 2010. 
I will just highlight a few of these slides. Um, if you look at the ownership, our, as you know, the, the, the target was 26% in terms of the mining charter. Our weighted average ownership was at 39%. And yes, it did have uh, a, a, a nice uh, distribution of uh, employee share ownership schemes and in and, and some uh, community share schemes. But yes, the primary uh, piece of the cake went to be entrepreneurs. So the mining industry is producing those black industrialists. This is one industry that is doing that very well, and we'll come back to that later. Um, even on the procurement numbers that you have, uh, you see that there's substantial compliance relating to the procurement numbers. I think one of the areas where the industry is certainly not leading and, uh, and maybe behind other sectors of the economy relates to employment equity in that um, we are certainly not having the, the kind of uh, results and outputs that other sectors of the economy are achieving relating to the advancement of HDSAs in our workplaces, and in particular, uh, women. That is an area that we as an industry are working on quite a bit. But remember, we as an industry, we have set ourselves a target that um, we want to double, um, we've got double targets for women in mining uh, by 2025. We want to achieve 30 to 40% uh, women representation by 2035, 30 to 40% by 2035, and that we want that 50% um, of, we want a 50% representation of women in management uh, by, um, sorry, I'm just trying to get the date here, uh, by, I think it's again 2020, 2035. 2035. Thanks, Fondi. Apologies for that. The one target we did not meet um, in that year of assessment related to HRD spend, we didn't hit the 5% mark, we were at 4.8%. But I think you've got the, the documents, so you, you can go through it. One area that we think we need to change, and, and clearly not for this discussion, honorable members, but we, we spend far too much um, as industry on infrastructure development. We need to be moving that spend to income generating activities. That is what our communities are saying we need to be spending our money on. But municipalities want the mines to, to put in roads, to build schools, to do infrastructure projects. Those are all important, but we need to be moving more towards um, other types of projects. Um, and then very quickly, you know, the proof of the pudding of transformation is in the numbers themselves. You look at the the top industrialists, uh, uh, black industrialists in the country, the majority of them come from mining. And another good marker is if you look at the guaranteed monthly pay of unionized underground workers, they range between 17,000 um, to 25,000 rand a month. Now, you do that homework and compare yourself, compare that to other sectors of the economy, and you will see that miners are, are, are certainly on average better paid than other sectors of the economy. What are some of our challenges? We do not have standardized reporting templates. We have not received any guidance from the DMRE relating to reporting in terms of the, uh, the, the charter. Uh, we, have, we have given commentary on the implementation guidelines. We've sought clarity, but we have not received such, unfortunately. And to add to the confusion, uh, regional managers want different type of information, different requests from the mining companies. So this is, this is a, a huge challenge because we are not going to have the data 
or to be able to make sense of the data in terms of how the industry is transforming going forward. This is a challenge. And remember also, the DMRE does not allow independent verification. So mining companies can't get scorecards based on their compliance with the mining charter. Other companies in other sectors of the economy can get scorecards in terms of their charters. Mining companies cannot. Um, I'm not going to go through the, uh, the, the slides here. Um, suffice it to say, um, you know, one of the core elements that we are focusing on as the Minerals Council in the industry is supporting junior miners, which are a critical component of the current membership of not only the Minerals Council, they make up 45%, but they are really the future of the country in terms of mining. So um, it's, a, it's a big focus area of our sport. I want to talk a little bit more again about the judicial review with the time remaining. Um, the critical aspects that needed to be reviewed was the reference to compliance and non-compliance that was in the charter. Again, a policy instrument cannot purport to, 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 to act as a compliance document when it is not. That needed to be challenged from our perspective. The non-recognition of continuing consequences of historical transactions and transfers. Um, and then also the requirement that, uh, that dilutes the continuing recognition, the continuing consequences of historical transactions. Again, that was something uh, quite critical to the industry and the non-recognition of continuing consequences of the renewals and the top-ups uh, to 30%. Now, this, uh, honorable members, is absolutely critical that we got the certainty here. Um, nobody will be investing in the South African economy if it is not clear what the rules are and what the rules will be in certainly in the near future. So it was absolutely critical for us to get that clarification that the MPRDA is the document that sets the scene and not what was contained in the mining charter. So these are really the core elements that needed um, changing in the, in, the, in the mining charter 2018. That needed to be removed from mining charter 2018. Another one is the ring fencing of ownership and mine community development. Now we're not saying that these are not critical elements. They are critical, but I mean, consider how how will mining companies collaborate with each other in a particular region if if you know at any stage you can't have any of them slightly behind or well let me put it this way: if you are relying on compliance by mine X in terms of your social neighbor plan because you've got a collaboration project. And then the DMRE comes and says, well, you're not 100% compliant because that other company hasn't done what it's meant to be doing. How can you really uh, foster collaboration? So that was a challenge. I think most probably one of the biggest challenges in the charter was the local content requirement for capital goods. And it's important that we um, put this into context and especially comparing it with the uh, Motor Industry Development Program, I think the MIDP. The MIDP has been in existence in South Africa since the dawn of democracy. Um, they have, so now they have, eight, they have had 28 years to, to, to up their local content targets. They have got till 2035 to reach a 60% local content target. They've basically got 41 years to reach a local content target of 
Now, as the industry, we support the industrialization of South Africa. But a target that they, the MIDP, they had financial incentives, support of the DTI, and they're not even reaching that 60% local content target. They, they've got to 20, 2035. And yet the mining industry was expected to reach that 60% local content target in five years. It, 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 you know, I think this is where the industry was saying that you know, we are being set up for failure here. It was not a reasonable target. Um, and remember, to the extent that you didn't have that 60% local content, you could not recognize any of your spend. Um, so, you know, we, we say this as an industry, this was patently, patently uh, unfair for the industry. What we should have actually rather allowed is for recognition of X percentage of local content over a certain period, but certainly a much, a much more reasonable period. Five years compared to 41 years on the, by the motor, uh, for the motor industry, you know, you, 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 you can't compare the two. So what, um, what did the judgment say? Okay. So the judgment um, confirmed that the mining charter is a policy document and not legislation. As I said um, earlier, this as an industry, we have been saying certainly for the last decade and a bit, we had, um, we had a court saying so in 2018, um, and then another court now in 2021. So you've got to ask yourself, members, I, we, we don't know what the issue here, because this issue has, this is how the industry has actually always seen the mining charter, but this has not stopped the industry from transforming, as the numbers show. Um, it also said that section 100, uh, subsection 2 does not empower to make rules. Other provisions of the MPRDA give minister those powers, but not that provision related to the charter. Um, no penalty or enforcement for non-compliance with the mining charter because it is a policy instrument. Uh, enforcement goes through, happens through the SLPs and other documents. It said transfers and renewals get recognition of continuing consequences of historical transactions. Now, new mining rights, as you know, have a minimum of, of BEE of 30% shareholding. This has not changed. This we did not um, challenge. It was the composition of that that we challenged to say it must be up to the parties to determine their shareholding. If you want to do a 30% uh, employee scheme, well, then so be it. Uh, a 30% community share scheme, well, so be it. Um, it shouldn't be prescribed. Um, this clause 2.2, the charter was set aside that dealt with the use of procurement and, 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 and local content. But I want to come back to that in the next slide. And then um, also, uh, you know, licenses of permits under the Diamonds Act and Precious Metals need not comply with the mining charter, they are other acts in that regard. And then the bit about the ring fencing and compliance, 100% compliance of ownership and mining community at all times. I mean, that, that bit was also set aside. So what, is, what do we propose as a way forward? Uh, we, we certainly want to continue engaging um, with the industry, with the, with the DMRE. The industry is committed to transformation and the judgment did not change that. Um, we have always seen the charter as policy instruments. This is on record 
for at, at many, many, dec- you know, many, many years of portfolio committees and meetings, engagements with the DMRE. So nothing has changed in terms of how we implement the, 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 the charter. Uh, the industry is leading in many respects in transformation in the country. I think people forget that, you know, the mining charter was really the first substantive charter in the country. The liquid fuels one, the one pager that was published before that wasn't really a, a charter. Ours was the first substantive charter. Secondly, the minister is authorized to impose terms and conditions uh, on mining rights when they are granted. If the holder fails to comply, the minister has recourse to sanctions, you know, sanctions relating to non-compliance in terms of the act. So the, the minister does have power to enforce transformation. A critical thing that maybe is not coming out in all of the media and all of that is that as an industry, we have said yes, that clause 2.2 has been taken out of the charter. But our main objection related to the co-local content, the 60% local content, which we said was unreasonable. We are encouraging the industry to comply with the rest of section 2.2. So we, don't, we did not object to the BEE targets. We did not object to the rest of the targets in 2.2. And we are encouraging our members to comply. I think we really want to make that abundantly clear. We are just saying to them they need not report on local content, but show the DMRE, show everybody how you are trying to meet those critical components in 2.2. The procurement component is a critical, a critical lever in transformation. And so we want to be reporting on that, and we are reporting on it. Um, we have been having some uh, internal engagements as uh, mining companies looking at what we can do to actually enhance transformation. I think, you know, this judgment gave us an opportunity to say, well, what levers can we look at as an industry to actually enhance our transformation? And we're having a critical look on the areas where we are not doing as well as mining companies to see how we can change that. So we we are hoping to certainly engage uh, stakeholders, DMRE, the Portfolio Committee, um, this year already, with some of our thinking relating to how we think we can advance transformation in the country. So please, and, and, and yes, we, we're quite willing to, to engage in particular the regulator here. Another critical component I want to touch on in the last three minutes, um, honorable members, the mining industry does not have a transformation council where all the stakeholders discuss transformation on a quarterly basis. We only do it when the charter expires and we're looking for another charter. This is a critical, critical error. Other sectors of the economy, they discuss transformation, they monitor transformation. And, you know, those councils even issue directives or notes on, you know, on, on how to enhance transformation. This, if we had a mining industry transformation council, it would give stakeholders, the trade unions, it will give communities and the mines, uh, you know, the sector, a voice, and it will give them sight of how the industry is transforming, which would be absolutely critical. The voice of our stakeholders is absolutely critical, and it could be certainly brought into the Industry Transformation Council, like we have with other sectors of the economy. Now, we continue to request that the DMRE provide standardized reporting templates 
um, you know, mining companies do not get scorecards in terms of the charter. The, the charter makes provision for this, but we do not get that. Um, we we report on an annual basis. Uh, that input is uh, the DMRE does not uh, publish, uh, a, you know, a consolidated report of how the industry is transforming. This is really a challenge uh, for the industry. And, and remember, again, we are not allowed to ECE to have independent verification. This is a big challenge. Um, I members, I just want to leave you really with one thought. I mean, I think it's important to realize that, one, the mining industry is transforming. Um, it's, it, you know, it may not be perfect. It cannot transform more. Yes, there are areas where we certainly can transform and enhance transformation even further. And that is critical. And that we need to look at. What can we do to try to get the industry to transform even more than it is currently? We need a clear regulatory uh, environment for reporting in terms of the charter. We, if we do not, if we are not able to report at the terms of the charter, nobody outside of the DMRE understands how the the, the charter, the mining industry, is transforming. And. And I know the mining charter is very much a, uh, a critical document. And, and, and it certainly does have the emotive element. But I want to draw an analogy between, you know, if you look at a motor vehicle and want to determine how fast a motor vehicle travels, you can't look at the tires to determine how fast the motor vehicle uh, moves. I mean, and looking at the mining charter, you're looking at the tires. You need to look at the vehicle. You need to look at the body and structure of the vehicle, which is maybe the SLP. And you look at, need to look at the engine of the vehicle, which is the MPRDA. So what we are saying to our stakeholders, let's look at the entirety. Let's look at what the entirety of the vehicle to determine essentially how fast this vehicle is traveling, not just the mining charter, but also the SLPs and look at the MPRDA in terms of what we have in terms of the MPRDA before we try to make any further changes. Um, Honorable Chair, um, um, I've got, I believe, uh, 25 seconds left. So I will say uh, thank you very much to the um, Portfolio Committee for allowing us to make this presentation. Thank you very much. Yes. Oh, are you done, uh, Yes, I'm. I'm done, Chair. Thank you. I assumed I had 30 minutes. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, NUM. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Um, this is NUM. Uh, Joseph Montisetti, uh, on the issue of the court judgment. Um, briefly, um, I will hand over to uh, our parliamentary leader to make our presentation. But uh, I will put preamble to say that um, we're looking into the whole issue of the judgment. Uh, but the. Yeah. Sure. Can you hear? 
Can you hear me? Yeah. Well, well done, my woman. Yes. Yes, well, my link. Can, can, can uh, Bob Marley just open his video so that we see him then switch it off? I think he switched it off because of network people. Can he just switch it back on so that we see who we are talking to? Then he can switch it back off. Thank you very much. Okay, if possible, uh, Mr. President of NUM. <coughs> yes, no, I have switched it off. Uh, uh, I think we can uh, see you. I think what what our members say oh, they can. Yeah, oh. now we, we see you. You okay, can switch. Okay. You can switch it off again. Then, if you want to, for network purposes, that's okay. All right. Okay. No, and, uh, maybe <laughs> no. Let, let let me just uh, because I'm making preamble. Uh, the presenter will come. Uh, let me say that uh, uh, according to our main concerns. Uh, in the whole judgment uh, is that uh, the uh, provision that has been given to the man workers, it is very little. Uh, that 5%, uh, it is not enough. Uh, and for the communities uh, that are surrounding the mines, for them to be given 5% and the workers, uh, it is unfair because the workers are the main people that are producing these resources from the belly of the earth. And the Mayan communities are the main people that are facing uh, all the problems uh, that comes with uh, mining in their area, which means uh, the pollution of the water and also uh, the, the, the shortage of land for them to do business in agriculture and so on. So they are solo dependent depending on the mining. So for them to be given a uh, 5% yeah, to us is unfair. And, uh, uh, and more and more percentage being given to uh, people from outside, like the historically uh, disadvantaged uh, women and children and, 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 and youth and so on. We think um, we, we treated uh, the, the, the main uh, community in mining and workers very unfair. But again, uh, the issue of compliance, our problem, again, it is the issue whereby uh, the court has declared that uh, the charter, it is not a legal document. It is a policy document. Uh, that means that uh, our proposal that are contained in our presentation for establishment of a, a tribunal a kind of uh, adjudication for a dispute in terms of uh, problems that uh, happens uh, when uh, the process of SLB are not done accordingly uh, will not su su suffice due to the fact that this is just a policy. Uh, it means that uh, mining companies cannot be held accountable legally so by the court of law. So we think that uh, the portfolio committee should look into this matter that the mining charter must be legalized uh, according to uh, the act uh, of, 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 of MPRDA uh, to be able to be a legal document. It deals with the most important thing, uh, which is an empowerment, economic empowerment of uh, historically disadvantaged people. It cannot just be a policy because it gives a loophole for mining companies not to comply 
accordingly. Um, those are issues, I think. And again, non-compliance uh, of companies many a times uh, when it comes to the issue of uh, employment equity. Uh, it is not monitored accordingly by the Department of DMR. Uh, sitting here, we know that uh, there are some companies that uh, on, on their executives, uh, they disregard uh, this employment equity uh, policy. Again, uh, there are issues that uh, I think the DMR should look into uh, because uh, administration of uh, monies in the mining, when it comes to how this, uh, I can I can I can say uh, the. The, the previous um, laws, which actually uh, put Africans down, they have now changed it to maximum and, 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 and minimum in the mining uh, industry, where you will see that um, some white people came through maximum uh, and then black people appointed at minimum in positions of uh, officials, like your chief boss, man, captain. And you found the difference being uh, 15,000, 20,000. And uh, you cannot be given uh, the legal uh, reason of why uh, people are appointed at minimum and, 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 and maximum. So such things, uh, I think, we have to start to look as, as, as Mineral Council, as the portfolio, the salaries and packages of executives in the mining. We are not talking about these things. Uh, you found a CEO being given a bonus of 65 uh, Mr. Mr. President, NUM, can you just uh, take off your camera so that you balance your 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 input otherwise the camera is disadvantaging you we can't hear you transformation and mining on issues that uh, are affecting workers uh, uh, issues that are promoting uh, privilege for executives on the expenses of workers we will come to present to this committee, but let me not just wait time. Uh, let me hand over to Committee Kwasazana Mziza, uh, who is going to uh, make presentation on behalf of NUM, which uh, is heading the delegation uh, in, in Cape Town. And I'm here in Johannesburg. Uh, we are working together as a collective. Uh, Comrade Kwasazana, can you then? Uh, outline our, our, our presentation, my sister. Thank you. Thank you, Comrade President. Uh, let me start by sharing our presentation first, then we'll, I'll continue. Just 
Um, I apologize, Chair. My computer just got stuck on me right now. Um, I'm still trying to to share the screen. Come and share my computer just got stuck. Uh, you can just you can just present, present. Okay. if uh, you can't show it because time is going. Let me check. Uh, we, we do have the presentation, I think so. I'm trying to check on my. Because um, I can project from my side here. Yeah, I was going to ask that. Abby. Can you do that, please? Because we do have it. I'm not sure whether it's you and your MOS got some young pioneers behind. Okay, there is your presentation, LM. Assume you have muted yourselves. I see. Um, Joseph Kosatu is muted. Uh, who else? I can't see any M presenter. Uh, Chairperson, um, I I don't know what is happening because I have this uh, I see you. Um, would you mind if so that we, we give you enough time? Would you mind if we go to 
either Yuasa or Amku might be ready. And then we come back to you. LM. NUM, can we take Amku or Uwasa, whoever is ready? Sorry, Chair. I think yes, we've lost the president now. Maybe, as you're suggesting, we can go to Uwasa or Amku, then they can um, follow on the last. Uwasa? He's not online now. Yeah. Uwasa? Uh, Honorable Mr. Are you I'm ready. Uh, if, if you can just ask your office to share, then I can carry on. Thank you very much. Harry, uh, Ayanda, can you share this? Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Continue, Yasa. Thank you very much. Thank you, Honorable Member. Um, let's 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 just see your hands and face if possible, uh, and then you can switch off. I can, I can still see you are still handsome. <laughs> Good morning, Munir. Okay. Now <laughs> Thank you, Munir. Uh, Munir, yeah, you, you know, the, the main question is, is does the High Court judgment set aside the provisions relating to black empowerment? Now, th that's the question, and I think, you know, we're sitting all in the same kind of uh, space in the industry, and we need some clarity in terms of that. Now, I just want to switch back to Mancosa's uh, uh, presentation the fact that they say that they are still fully aligned with the vision of transformation for us from your side, you know, that is a plus point. And we said, let's carry on with that because we cannot let that just uh, uh, glimpse away. We need to focus on transformation. We need to ensure that we are there. If one look at uh, the South African uh, South African uh, uh, producers uh, platinum, and we have built a legacy as one of the most productive mining companies in the world. If we look at Mancosa's uh, uh, presentation in terms of the G contribution to the GDP, the fact that mining was the first uh, industry that uh, actually got to a point where we were allowed to work in during COVID. That was a plus point for the country. And I think if it wasn't for that, then the country would have been far worse off than it is now at this point in time. We need, and from your ASA side, we say, we, we need to focus on everything within the mining charter, within the MPRID to actually create that investor confidence so that our industry can become a sunrise industry rather than a sunset industry. Can we go to the next slide, please? 
Now, under the previous charter, 26% of company shares was allowed uh, as part of Black Empowerment uh, agenda. Uh, at the same point in time, within that 26%, we also had the 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 the, the uh, agreement that all employees will share in the same manner in the SOPs and everything. So that, from that premises, we say that was a good thing. Mining the Charter 3 states that these should be held in perpetuity. Uh, now we know that uh, what happened was, you know, if one looks at that in the bigger picture, then you sit with a situation, if you start focusing on the fact that it needs to just carry on and it's not there, once empowered, always empowered, then from an investment view, we're basically saying that if one looks at the actual shareholders, where does it leave shareholders? Because if shareholders are not allowed to sell their shares to whatever they want and who they want and where the biggest and highest bidder is, we actually get to a point where we're going to get that, uh, you know, we're taking away that right of a shareholder to sell his or her shares to the highest bidder to make money. And this is where shareholders is making money, not, not only in dividends, but in buying shares and selling them. So, 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 you know, to tie them down, to say, but this needs to just be sold to black investment companies, we think that is putting some, 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 some uh, a hindrance on the shareholder as such. And shareholders might get to a point where they say, but if that's the fact that if I cannot sell to the highest bidder, then, you know, I'm, I'm not prepared to invest in this. Now, the actual outcome of that would be that uh, we, we're going we're to stifle investment in the sector. And over a long period, we're going to get to a point where we have a situation where people are not going to invest as much as what they would have if they were allowed to sell to the highest bidder. The, the, the other problem that you also has got with Mining Charter 3 is basically the situation that uh, the miners can or must buy up to 70% of goods, 70 and 80% of services from black-owned companies, uh, th this may, you know, in a, we have the opinion that it's a little bit unrealistic at this point in time because some of the companies does not have the goods, does not have the prices. And, 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 and that puts, uh, puts a, a, a different view on investors as well as the mining companies, because surely a mining company should have the right to say, can I buy whatever I need to run my mine economically? Can I buy from where I get the best price? 
and not necessarily focus at one area where that one area can push prices up. And, and, and once again, it comes to that economical freedom where parties can basically, you, you know, buy where they can get the best price to invest in the infrastructure on the mines itself. Now, if one looks at it, over a long period of time, this places a burden and actually on the profitability of the mine over a long period of time. And at the same point in time, we're basically getting to a point where that company will have to go into some restructuring because they cannot get the best price. Can we get to the next uh, slide, please? Um, if we look at the legal uncertainty, uncertainty the difficult the difficulty in the investors had with the charter was that it concerned sanctions, specifically to Section 47 of the Minerals and Petroleum Resources Development Act, which allowed the Minister of Mineral Resources and Energy to channel a mining right, to challenge a mining right if the terms of the charter are not adhered to. That is one side of it. Now, through the mining charter itself, the, the ministers still have that power. So we do not have to put everything in terms of the charter per se. Now, it was also the notable finding of a lawsuit filed by the Mineral Councils and the other companies, and they were saying, but it's already there in the charter. Why do we have to reinforce it in policy? Can we get to the next slide, please? Now, from your ASA side, we always held the same view as the Minerals Council. And because, you know, it created confusion. And that confusion became a... A, 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 a hurdle for us in terms of where do we go, where do we get investment in the in the in the mining sector and everything. So the long and the short being with the filing that was the, uh, with the with the with the actual outcome, we now get to a point where we can look at a situation where people can start with investment. The finding essentially is that it does not empower the minister to make law. The, requ uh, the requisite provisions are set aside. And by that being that we're now sitting in a situation where there's more certainty in terms of the charter. However, if one looks at the bigger picture, then we say, what needs to happen at this point in time? And I think this is why this meeting is so important. Because this meeting will actually be the foundation of, can we go back to the consultation table? Can we consult again? Can we look at what is more feasible for the industry so that we can get some buy-in from all the stakeholders, 
so that the stakeholders and and if i say stakeholders one needs to take a little bit of a step back and say who are those stakeholders then basically it's as per the mprid it is government it is business it is labor it is the the the, the actual uh, communities surrounding the the areas where the mines are and we need to reopen these consultation processes again so that we can get to a point where we can basically start and getting a, a document that we can sign off and be implemented because once we sign off a document we will be in a, in a situation where we say this will definitely create the certainty of where do we need to go and it will actually get investors to say we are here to invest if one look and and i, I want to take take all of us back to the 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 one of the the cape town mining and darbas and at the mining and darba the previous uh, prime minister of uh, of england turned around and he said there is money outside investors are basically interested but they want certainty so south africa please create certainty because if we can create that certainty i can guarantee you we can get money into south africa now looking at the presentation that the 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 mancosa did i'm saying that 71 percent hell we can increase that we can get money into the country and we can uplift our country to start getting a bigger contribution and growth can we get to the last slide please yeah if one looks at it in conclusion once again i think the mancosa has given us some indication that they do not have a problem with the 30% now the 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 the, the, the 4% top up would have been nice for us and i still say if we can get some clarity and sign of a document we can still get that that uh, additional percentage that can go to uh, organized labor and, and we can actually create that ownership we can get to a point where employees my members and the rest of organized organized labor can basically get to a point where we say we are actually empowered we are part of that mining company we are not just employees there is a situation and this is a situation that we have spoken about over the last two decades and this is that we need we need to get to a point where we can create a one stop shop where a person from an, an investor from the outside can come to one department they apply for their license as from where they start with the actual uh, uh uh coming into the country and do some research and a proper due diligence and everything now this comes at the right point in time for us 
Because, can we get to the next slide, please? The Department of Mineral and Energy can now go ahead with the setting up of its electronic one-stop shop, where future investors can apply for prospecting and mining licenses at one department, as the current system of different uh, government departments is really not conducive to the business. One would like to get to a point where an outside investor can come into an electronic one-stop shop, they apply uh, uh, for all their licenses at this one-stop shop, they can get it, they can start, they can kick off with prospecting and then proceed and get the money to actually start mining. So from your other side, I must say, the ruling came at a very good time for us. And we are, we are positive that if we now sit down and get Mining Charter 3 signed off, pro properly consulted and signed off, it will really give us a situation where we can go and change our industry into a sunrise industry rather than a sunset industry. Thank you very much. Uh, okay, thank you, Yuasa. Can we get uh, Amku? Good morning, good morning, Chairperson. Good morning, members. Let me switch on my video. Uh, my name is Christopher from Rensburg. I'm with AMCU Organizational Development Department. I'm standing in for our GS, Mr. Mpatlele, who couldn't make it. He has another engagement at the moment. I'm joined also by our team, Chairperson, who is uh, Comrade uh, Tolani Bokoloshe, our National Health and Safety Chair. Uh, Mr. Gift Antonio is our HR, as well as somebody from our legal team, Tracy Lomax. I will ask each of them also to add once I've opened the, our inputs, if that is allowed. Thank you, Chair. Chairperson, in our opening, I think it's important to contextualize this whole issue. There's a few notions that I've heard from previous speakers that we need to debunk. The first one is that minerals are merely here for big capital to reap up from the, from the ground or to catch like rain and make money from it. That is not the truth, uh, Chair. You would know yourself that uh, the Freedom Charter tells us that the minerals of our country belong to the people of the country. And therefore, there is a socioeconomic imperative in how these minerals are taken from the ground and how they are beneficiated and used to strengthen our economy with the express view to uplift our people after years of oppression under colonialism, firstly, and secondly, under apartheid. We must also remember that uh, mining is a problematic uh, sector in our country. It has blood on its hands. This same chamber of mines has blood on its hands. That's why they changed their name to Minerals Council, because in the late 1800s already, 
when this chamber was uh, first established as a rich white boys club, they started with all kinds of ways to undermine the black majority in this country, impoverished people, migrant labor, lacking health and safety, people sleeping on cement tablets. Chairperson, I don't think I need to tell you about our horrible past in South Africa mining. Now, mining since those days, one could say was a microcosm of South African society in that it was based on exploitation. And exploitation forms the very base of mining. Some, sometimes we even use the word ironically exploitation when we speak of how we take uh, minerals out of, the, out of the country. Lots of this wealth is sitting in other countries through what was not then called, but what we call now foreign direct investment. So our view as Amku is quite different from the view of, of some of the other speakers today is that our focus shouldn't be on investment alone. It can never be on investment alone. These minerals are ours, and we need to take them out of the ground. We need to make our lives better with them. We need to grow our country with them. It's nobody else's minerals. It's our minerals. Finish and claw, uh, Chair. So that's a very important thing. Now, when you look at this judgment, as Omku, when our leadership met, we found it actually to a certain extent, ironic, Chairperson, because our president, you would know him, Comrade Joseph Matunjwa, has been saying this for years on, since the mining charter came, when he was still in NUM, the comrades will remember. He was always preaching the song to say, the mining charter is merely a code of good practice. The companies, the white monopoly capital, will never comply with it. They will do their best not to comply. And unfortunately, Chairperson, as we've been on record, our government, lately specifically, has become a servant of capital. So it works with capital on these things. The business interests seems to us more and more to trump the socioeconomic interests of the people of this country, of your own people who voted you into power. So when this judgment came, Chair, we as AMCO said, we told you so. That is the first thing that we have to say. We told you so. Now we see we have a problem. And our problem, uh, Chairperson, is exactly that, that we were fooled. Since 2004, Chair, we were all fooled. Those of us who believe that the mining charter will lead to transformation within the Chamber of Mines, within the rich white boys club, we were fooled. We were setting what they call a toy telephone. We were using a toy telephone and working on something that is not enforceable. We need something that's legislated. It must be part of the regulations. It must be enforceable. If you do not enforce rules on capital, capital has one rule only, Jefferson. That rule is profit. Profit before everything. They can talk nicely. They can appoint black guys that tell you how beautifully they look at the community. Don't believe it, Chair. Don't believe it for one second. They are busy exploiting our country. Let me take an example, Chairperson. 
Have you been to Marikana recently? Have you ever toured those squatter camps right next to Sebania Stillwater's operations there? You ask yourself, how many years has it been? Almost 20 years of the mining charter. How can people live like that? The same people who work in that mine, literally one kilometer, you have sewage running down the street, the next kilometer, there's glitz and glamour and richness. Look at uh, Two Rivers Platinum, Limpopo East. Same story, Chairperson. There are squatter camps on the doorstep where the DMRE goes to visit. The inspectors drive there. You know, if I was an official of the ANC and the, the ruling party, I would be ashamed to go there and visit and to say that I'm doing my job. I don't think the department is doing its job there. And for that reason, we've always called you, you know, we are socialists. We believe in strong public institutions. We believe in a strong government. And we believe this mining charter was a way to take the teeth out of these very important issues related to transformation by various forces, probably led by white monopoly capital, who convinced government that we must have something that's a policy document. So we'll all sit together nicely, chairperson. We'll sing some songs and uh, burn some candles and promise each other that we will do things. But when we don't do them, nothing happens. And this judge, we must actually thank the judge because he made it clear, you guys messed up. And that's why our leadership is firmly of the view that we want to support the DMRE and we, we trusted the DMRE as the political world, that we must not appeal this judgment. That won't help us. The prospects are weak. The judge is seeing facts for facts. What we must do is we must go back and fix our error. And it's very simple, Jay. Section 25 of the MPRDA needs to be amended, that the mining charter is included, that we expand the minister's powers, that the minister has more powers, to enforce the mining charter, yes, there must be a consultative process. We must consult organized labor. We must consult all the social partners, including business, including the community. We must do that. But, Chairperson, we must give the power to government to do its role. And its role is to regulate. They must be the regulator. If you allow capital, like we are in this country, I'm afraid to say, to be the one that says what must happen and what mustn't happen. We will have hell to pay, Chair. We will have hell to pay very soon. The second important point I want to make before I hand over to my comrade is the issue of mothballing, Chairperson. You know, mothballing is a good example of what capital does. What does capital do? It gets mining licenses, complies, it goes through the tick, tick box exercise, yes. Then it decides due to price fluctuations and all kinds of issues just related to profit to mothball those operations. Lots of people lose their jobs. We have poverty, we have crime, we have bad things happening just because Mr. Fat Cat on top wants to wait a bit that he can make more money later on that particular operation. We've been saying, Jeff, that's another example. The minister must have the powers to take away that license and give it to somebody who wants to mine, ideally a black miner. 
Let's take a black mind and let him mind. Let him employ the people. Let we, let's, let's uplift the communities. We cannot serve a small minority of people just because they have the money and the means of production. We cannot do it. It's not sustainable. It's not what we promised the people after 94. It cannot continue anymore. Please, Chair, we are, we are, we are screaming this from the top of our lungs as Amku. Chairperson, I want to hand over to Comrade Bokoloshe, our often safety chair. Thank you, Comrade Bokoloshe. Thank you. Good morning, Chair, Comrade Luzip, and members of the Portfolio Committee. Uh, I think so I'm trying to open the video here, but I don't see, I just see there is blank. But maybe without waste of time, thank you for the opportunity that has been given to us as Amco this morning. Okay, sorry, sorry, Mr. Ari, do you have the... No, we don't. Yeah. On your side. Can you flight it, please? No, we don't have a chair. Oh, no, no chair. The, the, the person that is going to share the presentation is Comrade Gift, our HR. Yes. So I'm not sure did he provide you with the presentation. Chair? Yeah. I'm waiting for Gift. No, I just want I just want to say a few words before Comrade Gift to take over. Okay. I, I think Chair, in due respect, you, 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 you as leaders of our country, you need to do something. Really, it cannot be correct to continue with the status quo, especially in the mining industry whereby CEOs are determining their own salaries and bonuses, and black mine workers, they are only receiving to be killed. Remember, the ordinary employees, the citizens of this country are getting killed. If you look the number of the previous year, and if you look at the bonuses that the executive continuously receiving, really, we need to do something. And and if you look the the statement that been issued by the CEO of Sibani Stillwater, uh, talking about our government failing the failed state with no leadership. I, I think really he has reasons because because what he's doing is to take the money from South Africa to, to oversee and, and the workers of this country, the people of this country are not benefiting at all. So we need to ask ourselves that from here, how to move forward, how to deal with the situation. And, and as Amgo will give you the full support, that is why we are asking the amendment of the MPDRA. So, in those words, I will ask Comrade Gift to take the, the platform and present, and then we move forward. Thank you. Comrade Gift. 
Um, good morning, all, and uh, good morning, um, Honorable Chair. Um, my name is Gift Antonio. I, I do not have a um, a presentation, um, a written presentation at this stage. We are making oral submissions. Uh, the presentations we can submit um, uh, thereafter or afterwards, if that's okay with the chair. Continue if you want to hear your views on the on the court judgment. That's what is important. Thank you very much. Eh? <clears throat> um, I think uh, uh, my colleagues have actually covered quite quite a lot of what we had actually prepped, but I think I will then just reiterate um, our view as 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 Anku with regards to the the, the Houting High Court uh, judgment. I think uh, our position is that as Anku, we have always obviously over the years maintained that the mining charter um, has to be incorporated into the MPRDA and it should become law and binding. Um, we, we had in the past as well, uh, I heard that the Mineral Council uh, has had presented to say in terms of the car, uh, the, the, the MPRDA would be the engine and, and the SLP is the body. And, 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 and we have, as Anko in the past, requested from the DMRE to supply us with a report on all the mines that do not comply even with the, with the SLP, uh, which, is, which is the body according to the, to the, uh, to the, to the Mineral Council. And, and, and I think as my colleagues have actually um, submitted to say, if you look at Marikana, you look at uh, Two Rivers Platinum, um, the SLP compliance is 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 zero there. there. There are a lot of squalor and squatter camps there. If you then further go and look at uh, Lily Mine, uh, we ask ourselves in terms of where where is the the SLP um, uh, commitments and compliance there? I mean that container still sits under, underneath the ground there, and the the the, the communities are still living in squalor. Then um, the other issue that we also um, have, uh, have a challenge with is the fact that in terms of, I think, uh, the NUM had initially submitted in their opening that even if you look at the, the, the mining charter, uh, the 5% allocated for workers, we, we also as AMCO believe that that is way too little, you know. Um, in terms of its allocation, that, sh that should actually be increased. Then our next submission is that if, if we make the mining charter a part of the legislation, part of the law, um, and there is then no compliance to that legislation, then we take away the rights for, for, for the Section 11 for, for that particular mining company that is currently mining. Because the challenge we have, as, as submitted earlier by my colleagues, is that we, we must just debunk or demystify the fact that these mineral resources do not belong to, 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 to foreign investors. These mineral resources were, uh, are at the behest of, of, of the South African citizen and, and, and the improvement of our socioeconomic uh, environment uh, in terms in terms of their social upliftment, I mean, if you travel or, or if you travel Europe, you'll see how developed it is. And yet, you come into South Africa or the rest of Africa, 
and you realize that we are actually living in, 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 in abject poverty, and yet we are endowed with quite a lot of mineral resources that are not benefiting us at all. Um, and then I think in terms of, in terms of our submission as well, uh, with regards to what's the way forward, uh, with regards to this confirmation of this judgment that affirms what AMCO had already known, is that um, we would like to obviously um, propose amendments to the MPRDA um, so that we are very clear and succinct in terms of the uh, section one of the definitions to say that the MPR, I mean, uh, the, the, the mining charter is a regulation or a law so that we are clear, so that, we, that there's no ambiguity in terms of what it is. I, I think if, if, if uh, we do not uh, um, amend section one as well as section 25, then it becomes a, 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 a code of good uh, uh, practice and it lends itself into um, uh, castrating government in, in, in their ability to govern. You know, then you've got a, a co-governance uh, approach, you know, where, where, where I mean, COSA would also want to, 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 to tell government what and what not to do. Let it be very clear that the regulator must regulate. And, and the only way you can do that is by, by ensuring that the charter is indeed a, a part of the engine as they refer to the MPRTA. Um, there, there is obviously a, a slow um, pace to transformation. There, there is definitely resistance to transformation. I think when we do attend uh, other um, commissions in terms of um, uh, transformation agendas, uh, and I think also the, the mining, I mean, the Minkosa has actually submitted as well, to say that in terms of their employment equity, they, are, they score quite low. And I suppose in terms of uh, ownership as well, it, 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 it's quite low. If you look at the JSE uh, 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 transformation, transformed companies, uh, in terms of the mining companies, um, that is also quite a low percentage. Um, the, the other issue that we'd also like to raise, just as an example, if you look at how much money is being generated during this, these super cycles that we are actually under right now, um, a company like Anglo-American Platinum has actually paid out 80 billion um, as dividends and workers have actually enjoyed close to none of that. So, so we, feel, we, feel, we feel very aggrieved uh, about that. Then the other issue as well, uh, I think, which my colleagues also touched on is the fact that um, despite these super cycles, uh, we are facing challenges in that at Sibanya Gold, we are currently having a strike. Uh, and yet the executives there, uh, the CEO, uh, are being paid massively uh, in terms of income and I think, again, if you look at, um, I think it would be very interesting for the, for the portfolio committee to, have, to, to summon Sibanya uh, to come and, 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 and give a presentation in terms of their current organogram and structure. It's a complete white boys club currently. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Amko. Anyway, am I ready now? Yes, Chairperson, we are ready. Yes, Chairperson. 
Can you continue with the presentation? Slide it. Yes. Yes. Let me just uh, present Chairperson. I think it has already made a preamble before Chairperson, and uh, then uh, issues that we want to present uh, as NUM is that uh, the employee scheme that was supposed to improve the life of some mine workers. Uh, we believe that um, it has done nothing to change the life of people uh, because this is just a written code in the charter. It does not give the details of how mining companies should structure this implement scheme. Therefore, uh, the way they structure it, they structure it in a way that uh, Every time when uh, it is matured, the dividends are very low and so on. We believe that uh, the government together with labor uh, and the government and, 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 and business should research the schemes abroad and come with a scheme that can give a fair share uh, to, to workers. Uh, we, we believe that... Uh, the, the, the 2018 charter that states that the 26% of historically disadvantaged shareholding should be held in perpetuate. Mining Black-owned a shed could only be sold on the other Black citizens. The 2018 charter also required mines to buy 70% of goods and 80% of services from Black-owned uh, companies. It is not happening. It is just a written code again uh, in the mining charter. Uh, still, uh, you will find that companies like Albany uh, that are, 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 are white-owned are the ones that are supplying bread across the mines. And uh, even on other supplements uh, that goes to the mine. But there is no any monitoring system mechanism uh, from the DMR to find out why that this written code here, it reflected on what should happen. I mean, if this was happening, we will create more employment for worker, for, 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 for black people, even the community surrounding the mine. So um, like Amka have said, like we have said in our preamble, this charter for it just to be a policy, it is just a, a talk show. Uh, we want it to be incorporated in PRDA so that it can be an act that can force compliance. Um, again, NUM says that um, the High Court concluded that the MPRDA does not empower the minister to make law. In other words, the 2018 mining charter is not binding subordinate legislation, but only an instrument of policy. If you have a minister that uh, the law does not uh, empower him, uh, to make a policy, but it is an appointed, a legal appointed uh, person by the government, then it means that the uh, companies will do as they wish, as they continue to do that even now. Uh, mining rights holders are not legally obliged to achieve targets in relation to inclusive procurement and supply and enterprise development. That is what is happening. Uh, Amco spoke about uh, what is happening in Marikana and Lilimai in, 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 in the sea of poverty of the communities surrounding the mine. You have a gold mining which uh, is 
for platinum mines, which uh, its uh, price today is 1,900 and something. And with executives that are earning uh, millions and with uh, shareholders that are being given 16 billions uh, from Sebani, but people are suffering. And uh, there is no any uh, monitoring uh, uh, mechanism that is within the, the office of the minister of minerals because legally appointed by government, he doesn't have the power uh, to summon companies and even to take their licenses. Process relating to the existing new licenses and permit issued in terms of the Act 1986 and the previous Mental Act 2005 have been reviewed and set aside. We go into this. It is a setback again. The 26% historically disadvantaged ownership target by existing mining right holders shall be recognized for the duration of the mining right. Even where the historically disadvantaged shareholding subsequently falls before uh, below 26% threshold, there's nothing uh, that is, is, is happening. Provisions uh, relating to employment equity, human resource development, mine community development and housing and living conditions remain intact. However, it may be difficult to hold mining rights holders accountable because this document, uh, mining charter, is just a police. Uh, look at Saban. Uh, the last speaker from AMCO have said it all, that it is just a white uh, West lab. And uh, they are doing as they wish. Uh, you know, they they said an executive who is appointed there is an advisor to Fronamen. Just 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 imagine what is an advisor. And uh, this is an, a global company. In all its executive positions, only whites have been appointed, even out, how, whites from outside South Africa. But it's business as usual. The government is doing nothing uh, to force these people to comply. The people of South Africa recognizes the injustices of the past, one are those who have suffered for justice and freedom in our land, respect those who have worked to build and uh, develop our country, believe that South Africa belongs to all who live in it, united in our diversity. That is our constitution. In the mining sector, the government has made it quite clear that the sector has to be inclusive, in particular transfer equity and create opportunities for historically uh, disadvantage to participate in various levels of the sector. It is not happening. I hear the uh, speaker from the Mining uh, Mineral Council saying that uh, uh, mining has done a lot in transformation of the country. You know what is happening here? Labor has been uh, sidelined by the mining uh, bosses in the shaft. Uh, when they do issues of transformation, they go to municipality and meet with the councillors. And what did they do there? They will then give money to these people, and these people will do whatever they do with the money. And they do, they do this when right here uh, in the community surrounding there are a lot of potholes, there are no sanitation, there are no clinics, there are, there's nothing. But they don't want to decide implementation of the social labor plan with labor including the government at the level of municipality. Labor has been sidelined. The money has been used, given to mayors 
and mayors are using money for their own uh, uh, interest, not in the interest of the community surrounding the mine. Mining sector transformation cannot be achieved through the adoption of a mining charter that is not binding. Uh, hence, we are calling for this document uh, to, be, to, be, to, be, to, to be incorporated into MPRDA to be a law. The minister must be empowered as the state representative and custodian of the mineral resources to give effects to the objects of the MPRDA in ensuring equitable access. The minister must hold to account holders of mining and production rights and ensure that mining contributes towards the socio-economic development to the areas in which they are operating. If we can't do that, Chairperson, we are just wasting time by meeting here, trying to assess this document because it is wasteless. The mining charter must be capable to assist government and the mining industry to achieve transformation and bridge fertile ground for historically disadvantaged to have meaningful participation within the mining industry. Therefore, we call upon the portfolio committee members to support the NOM and labor in general in a call to review the MPRDA section 102A to empower the minister to hold those reluctant to transformation process accountable. I think we have to underline that. This is a call that we are making as NOM and as labor uh, to portfolio committee, which is in parliament, that we want this law to be amended. We once more plead with the committee to join NOM in its call to rewrite the charter as a regulation 100 of MPRDA. In conclusion, Chairperson, trying to implement the judiciary review uh, mining charter in line with the high court judgment is a futile exercise. Mining and minerals industry must be engaged robustly to encourage and support strive to achieve transformation. The National Union of Mine Workers as a stakeholder support the department efforts to develop policies and instruments as a remedial posture to the court judgment in order to achieve transformation and legal certainty. Dialogue and meaningful engagement among social partners should be broadly embraced to find an amicable solution to the prevailing challenges. Attempts by the Mineral Council throw the course to force the government to revisit its radical economic transformation posture and to make concessions must be rejected and shamed as an act of non-cooperation to participation in transformation agenda. That is the conclusion of our presentation from the chair. Um, thank you very much, um, everyone who have made the presentations um, with regard to, well, I think the most critical issue is the, the, uh, the, the, the High Court judgment with regards to the provisions of the Mining Charter and um, the, the way forward. Uh, post that uh, determination by the judiciary. Let me check whether, um, are there any questions? Or let's first, let's deal with questions of clarity or uh, comments. Um, we will still, as I always uh, raise to honorable members, we will still have to have our own discussion 
as a committee. For now, it's just to seek questions of clarity. Um, and I must say, before even uh, we go to that extent, it doesn't mean if you don't agree with what the um, presenters or information given, it doesn't mean that person must have to agree or you will have to agree. You just seek clarity so that in our own discussions, we deal with facts, not perceptions of what people would have said. I see the hand of Honorable Lorima. I see the hand of um, Honorable Masaule. I see the hand of Honorable Malinga. I see the hand of Honorable Kula. Can I give you in that fashion? Oh, and then the last one will be Honorable Matob. Thanks, Mr. Chair. Um, my first uh, questions would be for Mancosa. Uh, part of your presentation, um, you said that the mining industry spends too much on infrastructure. Now, shouldn't this infrastructure be the job of municipal or provincial government? Second question to Mancosa. What discussions has the Minerals Council held with the minister or the department since the judgment on the way forward? And thirdly, Minkosa, is it your impression that government is simply going to find other means to enforce those parts of the charter that are being thrown out? So that's the questions for the Mining Council. Mr. Chair, I think you know the missing ingredient here is is the department, and I would I would love to have heard some uh, comment from the department on the lack of standardised reporting templates from the DMRE. Why aren't there these templates? Why doesn't it process annual reports and provide BEE scorecards? And I think this is one of the DMRE's dirty little secrets. They like to keep the extent of mining transformation vague, so they can hold the industry perpetually guilty for not transforming enough. The effect of this is the encouragement of perpetual hostility towards the industry, and that just drives away investment, and that drives away jobs. Now, onto the NUM. I have um, a great deal of sympathy for their complaint about just 5% ownership being set aside for communities and 5% for workers, and the lion's share of the set-asides going to BEE entrepreneurs. Because we know, in effect, that what happens is those BE entrepreneurs are people from outside. They don't have a great stake in the mine. And they end up being friends and supporters and financial supporters of the government. My question to AMCU. Is AMCU worried about the lack of mining investment, particularly in big new mines and what that says about the size of the industry and number of jobs that there will be for workers in the future. Does AMCU recognize that the mining charter is a disincentive to investment? If not, why does it believe that companies aren't investing in these big new mines? And following on from that, does AMCU believe, in view of its hostility to, to big capital, that new mining industry should be funded by the state. Thanks, Chair. Thank you very much, uh, 
Chairperson, greetings to you. Uh, greetings to colleagues. Greetings to uh, all the stakeholders present. Uh, I have only one question, Chair, and I think it's it's directed to uh, Minkosa, if I'm, I'm not uh, mistaken. Um, with the current situation in South Africa that we see in our townships, and um, assuming that it's happening even in uh, mining towns, where South Africans are feeling that uh, foreign nationals, uh, mostly Zimbabweans, Mozambicans, Lesotho, uh, and uh, Botswana, are taking their jobs. Uh, and I'm aware that there are a number of uh, people working in mines that are uh, foreign nationals. And um, I'm aware that uh, mines are trying to contain that, not to proceed, but there is what you call a replacement agreement that hampers in uh, companies discontinuing that. Uh, meaning, if somebody dies who was working in a mine, you will go and have uh, a family member to come and work. Um, and, and, and that is why companies are still having foreign nationals coming back because of the replacement agreement. Don't you think uh, in contributing positively to uh, minimizing the clashes that we see between South Africans and foreign nationals, it's time that uh, with your social partners, uh, and I assume in Nedlek, you uh, make an amend, uh, an amendment on this uh, replacement agreement uh, just to help government uh, as well to contain what seems to be uh, something that uh, if we don't attend to uh, may escalate to uh, uh, opportunism of uh, xenophobic attacks and so forth. Don't you think it's time you deal with the replacement uh, agreement uh, only to accommodate South Africans? And uh, in the long run, it will help you to discontinue bringing foreign nationals who, by the way, do not have extraordinary skills over that uh, South Africans have. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you, Chairperson. Greetings to yourself, members of the Portfolio Committee, uh, all stakeholders on the platform, our committee staff, let me welcome uh, both the written and verbal presentation done by the stakeholders chair and also confirm that the 5% given as outlined by Noom, given to minors and uh, the community is, is really, really not sufficient. Uh, we, we can feel they are, they are plight. I think the the full bench uh, put um, 
uh, profits before the livelihoods of the miners and the communities around where mining is happening. Also, Chair, the issue confirmed with the AMCO their sentiments that the minerals belongs to the people of our country. It can't be correct that the people will only get uh, 5% in the stake of the minerals that belong to them. Also, that is worked by them. Chairperson, on the issue of procurement, uh, of local goods and services. The mining charter requires that the miners buy 70% of goods and 80% of services from black-owned companies, which many industries, uh, which many industry groups groups feel that it is unrealistic. What are the mining companies doing to capacitate the local companies in their surrounding communities? with the necessary skills to meet the local procurement specifications required by the mining companies. Also, Chair, on the once empowered, always empowered uh, clause. Since the Gauteng High Court judgment has ratified the notion of once empowered, always empowered, to what extent will the notion of once empowered, always empowered, accelerate transformation in the mining sector should the historically disadvantaged shareholders in mining companies decide to sell their shares and the company's shareholding status fall below the 26% of the PEE or HDSA ownership target. Thank you very much, Chair. Honorable Kola, you are not waving your, well, not waving your right to speak. No, Chair, am I audible? No, you are not. Now you are. Chair? Yes, you are now. Okay, no. Thank you very pleased, uh, Chairperson, for the opportunity. Uh, greetings to colleagues in the Portfolio Committee. Uh, I've seen some representatives of the department on the platform. Greetings as well to uh, all the unions and the structures that have made presentations. I wanted to start by uh, saying, you know, when we're doing uh, the public hearings on the gas amendment bill, and as, a, as in when I walk around, in areas where we've got a lot of mines, like in Clerkstorp, in Rastinberg, in Carlton, where I usually go, I must say that the state of infrastructure there and the kind of life that is in the conditions where our people live under uh, are not uh, satisfactory, Chaperson. Uh, but I guess maybe uh, some of us live in an alternative world away from the real one. Because if you can go to areas like Umzimfe in Open, where there are many mining houses, the conditions there are so dire. The high, the high prevalence of crime and many of the social things are high. If you can go to Kutong in Gauteng, in, in, in Kaltonville, and check the state of living of our people in West, in, in, in Bergerdal, in Wedel, and many other areas, it's not satisfied because uh, 28 years into democracy, our people are still not connected to those 
from the mindset there. My first question is, I will come back, I will, think, I will finish with Minkosa, uh, because I've got a lot of issues around their presentation. Uh, I think I, I've taken a keen interest on the presentation made uh, by the NUM. And I think uh, where the, 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 uh, when in the presentation, they speak about challenges. And in the challenges, they speak about non-compliance and failures of the charter to achieve transformation objective was not because of its shortcoming, but mainly because of ineffective implementation and poor monitoring by the department uh, and lack of consequence management, therefore. So I would want the NUM to expand, Chairperson, uh, on their point, uh, that I strongly believe that any organization or entity that comes to present to this portfolio committee must be able to also empower this committee that it is able to play an effective role in terms of its oversight. So when I hear words such as ineffective implementation and poor monitoring by the department, I think such issues are bound to raise serious red flags, just Chairperson. So I would want to, the NUM to please expand on this point. How has the DMRE failed in terms of uh, the shortcomings of ineffectiveness uh, in terms of implementation and poor monitoring uh, of, of mining houses. I would want them to expand on that. They also make a proposal to establish a mine advisory board to monitor and enforce compliance and implementation. I would want to know, Chair, that how will such a body help mitigate the challenges we have around enforcement of compliance uh, in the mining sector? And at present, who is currently responsible for such and how are they feeling so that if we support such a proposal to establish a mine adversary, would you then uh, support that proposal having been empowered uh, with the necessary facts, uh, Chairperson? There's an issue that they also raised on the challenges that is the concealment of mining charter and SLP information and technical capacity hindrance to observance of compliance of the chart and SLP. Because I also have a serious challenge around the SLP, but I'll come back to that point when I speak to Minkos. But I wanted to understand from NUM that what relevant legisl legislation can be advanced to curtail uh, this, uh, this development, which in my own view is improper and not fair. But I don't think uh, we need to have uh, mining charters uh, concealed, uh, information around the mining charter concealed, information around SLP concealed, information around the technical capacity of mines concealed. I don't think we need to have that situation. So what can they advise that we do, Chairperson? They also spoke to consultation on content, which is done at a minimum level, and sometimes as a tick as a exercise. And it is quite unfortunate, Chairperson, that in this, in this country, in this society of ours, which is the most unequal society in the world, uh, that others are held to a higher degree in terms of consultation. If it's us as parliament or the executive which must consult, we are always told that we must do extensive consultation. But mining houses can get away with minimum uh, consultation. I don't think it's quite fair, Shepherds. And at, at, at times, uh, that happen, when that happens, it's it done as a smokescreen exercise when decisions have long been taken. Those consultations are just a by the way issue. So I would, uh, I'm glad that the mineral council that I, I, I want the NUM to, I want to 
that we should encourage that uh, the mineral council should be encouraged to improve consultation when they appear before this committee. That they must ensure that when decisions are taken in the mining sector, sufficient consultations ought to have been done with the uh, unions and all stakeholders, community and all other relevant stakeholders. That such a consultation must not be a peer exercise. They must be extensive so that my uh, unions and, 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 and communities, then uh, their positions are taken on board. And that uh, in future, around this question of consultation, Jefferson, we ought to be able to say, it can be that when unions come again in the portfolio committee, this issue is still not addressed. So we must be able to ensure that this issue is addressed with the mineral council that indeed uh, the consultation is done. Uh, on the on their priorities, I think uh, uh, they say that uh, one of the priorities which sticks out to me is that uh, they call for the we call upon the PC members to support NAM in its call to review the MPRDA section 102A to empower the minister to hold those reluctant to transformation progress accountable. And I want to know, because I don't think it's enough for NUM to say, this is what we want the committee to do. Eh? Maybe the committee can take them until 2024 to do that, or we might not even include that and take it. It, well, it is an issue that can be picked up by another portfolio committee post the elections in 2024. I, I, they're not giving the committee any timeline to say, at least by this time, one the committee to have attended this issue. Because I believe that it is important to be explicit and say this is what we want the committee to do, and this is what at the time and this is the time frame we are giving. Uh, we would like the committee to work on that. And yeah. uh, then I would come to Minkosa presentations, Jefferson. And uh, they, they start their presentations by saying that they did not challenge the whole uh, charter, but they challenge certain aspects, and that they are not opposed to transformation. Unoche, uh, talk is very cheap. We don't want people to say they are not opposed to transformation. We want them to be seriously committed to transforming the sector. It can be that mining communities are saying there's no transformation in the mining space. It can be that uh, unions are saying there is not enough transformation that is taking place in the mining sector. It's only Minkosa which feels that no. They are doing more than enough. I don't think it's, it's quite fair. And I've got a question to me, because that who must set the standard of transformation in this country? Who must say that this is the, is the transformation we want in this country? Is it, is, is, is it plausible for Minkosa on its own to say, no, this is where we think transformation should start and end without taking into consideration views of the unions and views of government. I don't think it's fair. And views of mining communities. It can be Minkosa alone, which must determine the level of transformation in this country. It's not fair. And they can choose and pick that, no, uh, in terms, we don't agree with uh, this mining chart of 2018, but with that aspect, and we agree, we are saying our people must only implement that one. And that is double dealing on my, on my own part, Chair. They also say that uh, in terms of transform their transformation report, uh, that uh, uh, in terms of the, that the mining industry is taking behind in terms of their employment equity, especially when it comes to the employment of men. However, they make a commitment that by 2035, 
at least there would, uh, there would be an improvement of, of, of almost 50% of women in the mining, uh, in the mining space. It's 2022 for heaven's sake now. What will they be doing between 2022 and until 2035? Why must they wait until 2035? I mean, it's, it, 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 it's not rocket science that women are the majority population in this country. They are to be represented everywhere, including, especially in the economy, where women have been deprived a serious role to play. In their presentation, Chair, they also say that they've created out of the, uh, that seven out of the 15 richest black South Africans, they get their money from mining. That is not a point uh, that will universally celebrate some of us. Because our view is that it is better to empower community, mining communities than to empower individuals. If you empower it like these seven individuals, if we were to empower many communities, that would have a direct impact on the on the livelihood of our people. That would be able they would be able to play a meaningful role in the economy. Some of them would open small businesses. Some of them would go on and flourish in other sectors. So we're not going to celebrate that uh, there are seven out of fifteen richest black South Africans make their money from mine. I don't think it's a point that we should uh, be celebrating. And. And they, 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 there's, a, there's a view there that by Minkosa that they spend, uh, they want to spend less money on infrastructure and more on economic uh, benefits. And that's the only point that they, I think they, they, they need to strike a balance. You don't necessarily need to spend less on infrastructure. Because a proper infrastructure will give rise to the development of our economy and the growth of our economy. So it's just to strike a proper balance. That is my in court. That let's strike a proper balance between what we spend on infrastructure and what we spend on economic benefits. So that when we empower communities, because infrastructure is there, they can use it to find things. But if we give people economic, things that have got economic benefits, they can sustain themselves for the long run. And even they themselves can contribute to infrastructural development in this country. Uh, and then there's a there's a lastly, Chairperson, there was an issue uh, raised by uh, Honorable Masao, my my whip and lead, on the placement agreement. I think when the placement agreement was made, then it was relevant. Where you can have some board way a foreigner working in this country, and uh, when he, he, he retires or dies, then is replaced by an immediate member of the family. I think it was relevant then. That is no longer relevant now. I think we must. We must also address that particular that particular fact that there is a high level of unemployment in this country, eh? and for skills that we have in this country, we don't need to be uh, hiring uh, foreign nationals. Eh? Not that we are saying uh, those who are there now can be helped. They are not saying they must be seen. but for future uh, employment, we need to seriously consider uh, helping to address. Uh, the challenges in this country. And I'm saying, Chair, in closing, I think uh, it, it, is, it is prudent for Minkosa to have been able, that it must listen to some of the presentations made by the unions. And the unions, I think, for the first time, they are speaking one language, all of them. And they are saying there are many disparities that are there in the mining sector. 
Some of them, including the boys' club that are created in, in, in some of these companies, why white boys' club, which are created in some of these companies, which those are issues that they must be, they must agently attend to. The fact that you can spend billions on dividends of shares, you can spend millions to pay CEOs, but you refuse to pay workers decent salaries. That is a concern to us. So when we cause to seriously take into consideration the issues raised uh, by the unions. Thank you very much, President. You know the line, Honorable Madogwe. So the comments from my colleagues, um, which have covered some of the things that I had wanted to ask, but nonetheless, um, I have a few questions directed particularly at Minkosa, um, and then just a closing comment as well. Um, on the issue, I think one of the things that are noteworthy um, that Minkosa um, highlighted was that they were having a problem with, with getting responses uh, from the DMRE, this is regarding reporting templates and whatnot, but they've also not been processing annual reports. Uh, but in the same breath, they then say that they do or they are confident that transformation uh, targets and compliance will be met um, with the department. So how is that going to happen if the Minkosa already is struggling to just get basics like reports um, and templates? Um, so that is the first one. And secondly, what conversations outside the department um, are there um, with other stakeholders um, in the mining industry, which would be your workers, your communities, and also your unions, um, to ensure that there's transformation and that the transformation targets are met and that there's compliance in the industry? Um, because I think that there's been um, a lot of reference to that the department has not done this and that, but what conversations are there outside yourselves um, and the employers and the, the department itself? And I think with the issue of engaging communities as well, we have found that there are serious problems where community forums are shortchanging communities. Um, they are at the center of um, fraud, they're selling jobs, they're doing all these things. Like I think recently there were even members of the community forum visually put who were arrested for selling jobs. Um, and they are to a certain extent um, hampering transformation. Uh, and they are to a certain extent uh, hampering conversations that should be held uh, by the various stakeholders with communities. So what measures are you putting in place to make sure that the engagements that are supposed to be had with communities are still there, uh, considering that some of the community forums are actually just sitting there for their own individual benefits? Um, another aspect that came of the report was that um, the local content targets are impossible. I think I also want to echo the sentiments of Honorable Malinga that instead of us saying that they're impossible, what has been done to actually capacitate um, are the people that are supposed like local uh, businesses and communities to make sure that they meet those targets. Um, and I think over and above that, what I'd also want to understand and also what I'd want 
to understand yes from Minkosa is that instead of saying that um, these um, targets are impossible and therefore must be reviewed, why are you not saying that these targets are impossible and therefore there must be collaboration with various departments um, and the mining industry and including yourselves and the stakeholders to make sure that the targets are met and where there are shortcomings and where there are loopholes, those are um, shortcomings are met as well. Um, so that is another question that I had. And my understanding as well is that amongst other things, of course, um, the, the mining charter had wanted to um, address transformation, um, the benefiting of locals, uh, ownership of the communities and the mine workers and black people in particular, um, health and safety and also compliance and other things. But it does not speak to the implications of non-compliance. Um, and I'd also just wanted to perhaps put it out there um, to both Minkosa and also the unions as well in terms of what could be the implications that could be there. And are we also going to be speaking into that? Um, and also when we're speaking about implications, we in most cases always speak about um, implications for the mining companies, but there should be implications of, for the department as well, there should be implications for the unions as well and all other stakeholders um, that are in the industry and who are, have uh, responsibilities and roles to play to make sure that the targets are met. Um, and I think in closing, I just wanted to perhaps say that um, the recent court judgment um, has, as much as it has become a blow um, for mining communities and unions and people who are actually advocating for transformation and who had thought that the mining charter would open up that space. But at the same time, I think that we should, um, as a collective, uh, use the opportunity to sort of even look at some of the shortcomings of the mining charter, um, look at some of the things that needed to be reviewed, as has been indicated uh, by the unions here, um, some of the issues, and look into making sure that we continue um, having these conversations, continue um, having public uh, consultations, and make sure that the mining charter is reviewed and all the shortcomings that were there in the previous charter are met, and that everything then they then get incorporated into the MRPDA so that we make sure that they are low. Um, thank you very much, Chair. Yes, uh, <clears throat> thank you all of uh, you honorable members uh, with your questions. Um, I, I hope that uh, all the stakeholders here would have taken what is related to them. <clears throat> but uh, before I give you to respond, my, my major concern, I must say, from uh, course, and I, I, I recognize and respect the fact that our constitutional democracy allows all of us to seek a recourse in the current platforms where we feel that um, we are a bit aggrieved. <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I'm worried maybe you can, you can help. I see all the, the contents and ideas that we might have in terms of the mining charter. Um, but I think I would, it will be amiss not to raise 
what for me uh, is an overarching challenge. And um, I would say for a sector like this one, um, it may make some of us to be a little bit concerned. And I hope you can allay this particular concern. One of the things is that um, by experience, there was an agreement or although um, our, um, if I'm correct, uh, I'm made aware that one party did not sign, but it was part of the entire process of engagement with regards to the, um, what is, I think if I'm not mistaken, it was something that was mitigating against job losses in the industry and said, set up very good um, um, baselines on what will have to be done, who would do what, and so forth and so forth, all those things. And it ended up going to nowhere because there was an argument that, uh, no, 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 uh, one, this was not legally binding. It was a voluntary commitment made. Uh, number two was that uh, so-and-so did not do or some were expected to do this and that. They did not do it. And we didn't see the need to do that. And now there is the mining charter. I, I understand, and that's why I said I understand and respect the issue of the outcome. But from where we, from where I sit as a public representative, the big question is: what do you want, or what measure, what commitments? or attitude would you expect from people who are public representatives? I'm saying this thing, and uh, please uh, develop on your team. Um, if, if, if the way I'm raising it, it may not sit well, but I think it's necessary to raise it. <clears throat> from where I sit, a perception might be created here that parties, when they engage on certain areas, they will only be committed to give in on what they believed in. Now, I can't get the gist whether the challenge in court was whether the mining charter is legally binding or not, or whether the mining charter is a policy, not a legislation. I'm raising this thing because in South Africa, there's always an argument that the uh, uh, part of uh, the challenges that makes it very difficult to invest in our economy is that there's too much uh, or there's over-regulation. Does this not send a message that says we can only comply and give in or uh, 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 make concessions only on things that are legally binding and that are regulated. I'm saying this thing because I can see in between the lines, and, and I don't think they're wrong. People say, okay, fine. It means now let's go and regulate these things that the courts has made. Because someone might stand up and say, the court did not say the mining charter is unreasonable. The mining charter is impossible. The mining charter uh, has got unfair and, uh, un and, and, and unnecessary demands. 
I can't get a sense that the court made a ruling except to set aside this, set aside this, only on the basis of legality. Now, my, my biggest worry is that as public representatives, we might be overburdened now that uh, stakeholders can only commit on any matter only if it is being made a law. The question of consensus and give and take will not arise, except if you make it a law. Am I reading it correctly? Please explain to me, because I need to know what made parties to land. And I'm saying, recognizing that right, what made parties to land in court? Is it because there was a contestation that the mining charter is not a regulation? It is a policy, and the court ruled. For me, it's a short, I'll be honest, my, my fear is that what the other stakeholders are asking for may end up being what has to be considered. Uh, by, so that we know when we come here that, no, 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 we couldn't agree on this issue because there was too much authority that was not legalized, uh, for instance, for the, for the executive, which is the minister. There was too many that thought that he has got too much powers and so forth. But did that uh, have to be a determinant that would have implications on the content of the charter? Because the implications on the content of the charter, in my view, if I read, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a lay person when it comes to law, I'm not a law expert. So I, I, I'm raising this thing because it might send a message that uh, as social partners amongst yourselves, you can only be forced through a parliamentary legal process, which is legislation. Doesn't this send a message of a vote of no confidence unto yourselves as stakeholders that until such time there is law, you cannot reach any agreement and you can't comply or honor any other thing except it is being made law? I fear because the department, I must be upfront, can come back and say, yes, no, no, no. We see that is a, a short-term victory. Now we want to put these specific items that do not necessarily get accommodated in the MPRDE. We thought we were going to put them through the policy positions, but now we are bringing them back. And to what extent, through that process, we can have confidence unto yourselves as social partners that you can reach agreement without requiring a legislation. For an example, it doesn't, even the question of, for me, uh, percentages, does it really have to go to the extent that it must be regulated? Can parties, when they meet amongst themselves and say, we made this particular concession? And if it needs be made a, a, a law, it may not even have to come here. It may find a way of ratification, even through the judicial process. I'm raising this thing because it's a bit concerning now that uh, you might be sending a message here that uh, as long as it is not a law, we will not uh, recognize it and therefore force that uh, parties, instead of making voluntary commitments, they will require an enforcement of the law or an enactment of, of a law 
so that they can comply. Please, I think for me, that is the issue, so that from a point of view, we, I see the judgment and so forth, but I'm really worried about the implications of that particular judgment going forward. Uh, let me give it to, uh, to you. Let me mean Corsa and uh, the and Labour will come in relation to the issues that were raised related to them. Thank you. Honourable members, thank you very much for the uh, questions. Um, I'm going to try to certainly get, uh, I'll deal with most of them, but I'll certainly get some of my colleagues in the court to also deal uh, with some of these uh, questions. Let me uh, take them, let me go through them in the order that they were uh, requested, if that's okay. Um, just the issue on the infrastructure. Um, I'm going to get my colleague Alex to talk to this uh, challenge in terms of the, you know, the preponderance of, of, of infrastructure projects and the challenge that we have there. Alex Kumala will talk to that and he'll also talk about the community forums that was raised by uh, Honorable Matokwe uh, on that, but he will I'll give him an opportunity to do so later. Just on the, the, the questions, um, we have engaged the, the DMRE to, to, to one, um, reconfirm our, our commitment to, to transformation. Um, to, to, to try to make the, the, the minister aware that, I mean, we have tried to emphasize that we have seen the mining charter as policy since the, I mean, it was clear in the MPRDA, and we've held this view uh, for, for, for some time. So the fact that it's, it's, a, it's a policy instrument does not mean that the industry will not transform. We've held this view for some time. And, and you know, the, the, the results relating to the industry transformation speak for themselves. And we have tried to show those um, results. And, and unfortunately, one of the challenges that we have is that, you know, people are not presenting any forms of arguments, any forms of facts relating to certain arguments that are made. We are trying to present the facts as we have them, as the DMRE has them relating to the transformation of the industry. So we have confirmed our commitment to transformation to the minister and to say, minister, we are looking at what, what you know, it, our pattern of, of, of our transformation performance is certainly nowhere near where we, we would want it to be. We can certainly do more. We are looking at what we can do to accelerate transformation in the industry. So we've had that conversation uh, with the minister. Now, the, the minister has not um, officially informed us of the action that he wants to, to take. Uh, as the as, uh, as DMRE, I think it was at this particular meeting that the DMRE said that they were looking at making, making amendments to uh, MPRDA or regulation. Now, um, so we are cited on the position on the DMRE um, on this issue uh, or, or on whether they want to uh, do some rewriting. Um, I think our position is pretty clear here. Uh, the DMRE need, need not make amendments to the MPRDA. Um, uh, the, the DMRE uh, and the minister is empowered, not through Section 102, 
that that deals with the charter, but through other provisions of the Act. You know, um, so our view that is that you don't really need to make changes uh, to the MPRDA as it stands uh, because there are sufficiently binding provisions. Um, yeah, so um, Honourable, Honourable Roruma, um, it would be interesting to hear what the DMRE's view is on that particular issue. Um, um, I mean, look, on the reporting issue, this has been a, a really a huge challenge for the mining industry. Um, the, 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 the fact that we can have conversations about the, that, you know, um, views that the industry is not transforming, the industry is transforming, to what extent is the industry transforming, um, and yet that we don't have the facts from the regulator themselves. That, for me, is the biggest tragedy here, because um, people can say the industry is not transforming enough, or it is transforming enough, it's not building enough houses, or it is building enough houses. Unless we have a common fact base, we're really not going to be able to take this conversation any further. So that is one of the biggest challenges that we have at the moment as a mining industry. Um, so yes, why doesn't at least if the DMRE does not have the capacity to to do so internally, why don't we allow independent verification as as, as other 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 sectors of the economy do? Yeah. You know, uh, you know, a pick and pay or a company X can tell you. Uh, what the latest B scoring is because they've had, you know, an accredited agency come and tell them what their B scoring is. That opportunity is denied to mining companies by the, the, the DMRE. So you, you've just got to ask yourself that question. And, 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 and I think as the institution of parliament, it is something that, that's something that needs to be looked into. Um, if I the, the question raised by Honorable Mathawale relating to migrant work, I'm going to get my colleague Nikisi Lesufi to, to deal with. And also, it was also touched on the placement agreements by uh, Honorable uh, Kula. Um, next, we'll, I'll ask Nikisi to deal with that question just now. If I can then just go on to the items raised by Honorable uh, Malik relating to. Uh, the 5% is insufficient for communities. I guess what you have now is that the, the target for 30% be on new mining rights is, is, not, is uncontested. Uh, yeah, 30% be, it's uncontested. If the stakeholders, if a mine with its community decide to give that community, uh, 5%, 10%, 15%, they are open to doing that. It is a negotiation process. So what we have tried to do is say, well, why are certain stakeholders restricted to certain percentages? So what, you know, what this judgment has basically said, it has opened it up for communities to negotiate greater shares. Um, I want to deal with the issue of local content. It was raised by Honorable Malinga and also Honorable uh, um, Mado, where we say that the local content target was a challenge for us. 
I really want to make it clear, as I said in the presentation, we do not object to the procurement of goods and services from Black-owned entities, from Black-empowered entities. Um, that we do not object to. As we said, as I said in the presentation, we are encouraging companies to continue doing, and they must report on such. The challenge relates to the local content portion. Mm -hmm. Now, I mean the so I'll come back. I'll come back to that one that a little bit lower on. I just wanted to make it clear that we are encouraging companies to support local entrepreneurs. Now, what exactly are these companies doing? Your honourable um, member, we, we can really spend some time sitting here talking about the various programs that companies have, the supplier days where they open their books to local communities to show them the various contracts that are available, some of the uh, enterprise uh, development and supply development programs that are available uh, to uh, local communities. Now, as to whether or not those are sufficient or insufficient is a different issue, but we can really, um, if, the, if the committee allows, dedicate some um, time to the various programs that are available uh, to support local businesses. Now, our view is that these need to be really intensified because that is where the rubber hits the ground. We, we feel the focus should be a lot more on empowering communities. Um, and, and we agree, as opposed to uh, empowering of the black industrialists. Why, why are we focusing, as the DMRE does, as uh, the current government does, on creating black industrialists? Let's rather be focusing on communities and employees. They're the ones that are impacted a lot more by operations on the ground. That's where the focus of empowerment should be. So I'm not going to go into the details of the programs that the companies have. Suffice it to say that we are very willing and able to, to, to come and brief the, the, the committee on these various programs, because this is a hotly contested issue because communities feel that mining companies are not doing enough. But as you can imagine, um, as the, the members said, we're talking about the most unequal country in the world. There is a huge amount of poverty um, in our country, and especially in the areas where the mines operate. Um, uh, you know, the mines cannot resolve the challenges that the, the countries face uh, alone. The mines can be a catalyst to resolving a lot of these challenges that we face, but they certainly will not be able to provide the solutions alone. But um, this can certainly be a conversation. For um, um, Honorable Akul, I will also ask my colleague Alex to talk about the consultation process relating to SLPs, an issue that was raised uh, by by uh, yourself and NUM. My colleague Alex can talk to the consultation process relating to SLPs. Honorable Kula says that the Minerals Council says it is not uh, opposed to transformation, which is correct. But we, we can't just talk about it and then we must show that we're Honorable Kula, that's what we have tried to do. We have put the facts on the table for you to decide whether or not this industry is transforming or not. We have not come here to say the industry is transforming to leave it at that. We are trying to show you that the proof of the pudding is in the eating. We have tried to show you 
what 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 uh, you know unionized mine workers are earning. That is not disputed by any of the unions around the table. We have tried to show you how we have created those black industries. Now, clearly, we would have we would want to talk a little bit more about how communities are empowered, but that we can absolutely do. But as to whether it is just talk that the mining industry does, that is not the case. We are presenting the facts to you. I mean, if you are disputing those facts, if anybody is disputing any of those facts, well, then let's hear it. You know, um, the challenge is that nobody is presenting alternative um, facts on the table. We can make statements that um, X, Y, and Z is not true. X, Y, and Z is not happening. But uh, we, we're not going to get anywhere in a conversation like that if we do not present those facts. So we would we would like to think on Rupala that we are presenting the facts to the portfolio committee. Anurakula mentioned that the mining industry cannot pick and choose the provisions that it wants to comply with. I, you know, Anurakula, we actually agree with you. We agree that it is the prerogative of our government to set the policy, to set the legislation. Absolutely. We, as those that are governed, must comply with such reasonable laws and, and edicts from our government. But the proviso here is that they must be reasonable. And uh, we live in a constitutional democracy. So that's the fact of the matter. So to the extent that a provision is not unreasonable, we as citizens are entitled to challenge it. Now, government cannot put in place an unreasonable law. I mean, if, if for instance, government put in a, a regulation that um, uh, all white people must wear white hats every day of the week when they go outside. That will be challenged, as one can argue that is unreasonable. Similarly, the issue relating to local content, what we have tried to show was that we're not objection to the BE targets, it was the local content. Now that the goods that we are buying must have a local content target of 60 and, and, and I'm sure you've all looked at that definition. So the cars that are being produced in South Africa by the auto manufacturers, and as I said, they've had now up to 21 years of being able to, uh, uh, they've had an intensive uh, funding program from the GTI. In fact, at one particular year, the bulk of the grants provided by GTI went into this very same program. 21 years later, they are not even at 60% local content. I think they're closer to 39 or 40 odd percent. They've got till 2035 to reach the target of 60% local content. Now, we are not saying, we are not saying that we will not uh, accept local content targets, but we will accept reasonable local content targets. What is a reasonable local content target? We tried to engage the DMRE on this at the time to say, we as the mine, as the Minerals Council, we with the GTI undertook a study um, on what goods are produced in the South African context. Oh, sorry, the study was what goods can be produced in the South African context. We looked at the mining value chain and looked at what goods can be produced in the South African context in a reasonable period of time. So the DTI participated in this work. This work was ignored by the DMRI. 
So it's not as if we came to the discussion to say, no, we don't want to listen. No, let's have an informed, a target that is informed by facts that is reasonable. Um, as we said, I mean, to try to reach the 60% target uh, in a five-year uh, period where you, the mining companies, are not the producers of those capital goods themselves. But by the way, you can't recognize any of your spend until you're at 60%. That is unreasonable. So the mining industry will willingly be subjected to reasonable laws. Anybody in the country will reasonably be subjected to reasonable laws. If the law that is being proposed by government is irrational, is unreasonable, it will be challenged. And I know um, Honorable Lozicourt does raise this issue. This was the argument of the Minerals Council in, the, in these cases. And, but I'll, I will come back a little bit more to, uh, to this issue. This was the argument that the, the, the local content Target is unreasonable, is irrational. If you look at the arguments that we raised. Now, the courts didn't really go into these kind of arguments, but these issues were raised, and they have been raised with the DMRE. I'm going to ask my colleague, uh, Fundisa, uh, Naba, to deal uh, with what are we doing to advance uh, women now. Yes, we've put a target, a future target, Honorable uh, wants to find out what are we doing now. So we'll get my colleague to talk to that. And my colleague will talk, uh, Alex will talk to the infrastructure. Moving on to Honorable uh, uh, Madok. Uh, I think we've dealt with the reporting issue and, and it really is up to the DMRE to, 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 to answer this issue. Um, I'm not too sure whether we can actually uh, take that conversation as the council. But are we having conversations with other stakeholders? Yes, we have had conversations with other stakeholders. Um, we, we certainly, and I'm actually going to be doing so even more so now, in terms of some of the work that we want to do in transformation, we want to talk to our stakeholders to say, what can we do to enhance transformation in the mining sector? What do you think as community representatives, what do you think as as you, as you, as representatives of labor. We have actually started that conversation. We did have sessions last year where we engaged with the leadership of the NUM, uh, Solidarity and others to say, well, what do you think about transformation in the mining sector? Where they gave their views, but we want to engage further on this issue. I want to bring back, you know, it's one thing to engage informally with stakeholders about issues, but it's a totally different issue if we have a structured engagement platform. In the absence of the latter, it is just informal discussions. And that is why we are calling for the uh, DMRE to allow us to have a, a transformation council. A transformation council that, that has representatives from communities, uh, labor, uh, the, the industry, the DMRE. Let's talk transformation in a structured manner. Let's meet on a quarterly basis and talk transformation where we have the facts. I, I cannot stress enough, uh, honorable members, if we are going to continue having maybe annual or discussions every five years about transformation, that, that's not the way to do it. What we are calling for, let's have a council where parties are represented. Let's have discussions on transformation on a quarterly basis. That's how, that's the only way 
other stakeholders are going to be able to have insight into what is happening in mining and be able to influence it. That's the only way to do it. We need structured conversation. Um, my colleagues will deal, Alex will deal with the community forums. Honorable, by the way, you, you talk about what are we doing to empower communities in order to meet the local content topic. This is a bit of a challenge because when we're talking, I mean, you know, to meet the local content topic, we're talking the manufacture of highly technical uh, 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 capital intensive uh, mining goods. You know, your caterpillar equipment, your big, your heavy equipment. It's similar to the cars that we're driving. Is it fair for us to be, to be is it fair to be saying communities must produce a Mercedes, a Mercedes Benz in, under the shadow of the headgear? Is it fair to be saying that? I, I don't think so. Yes, we must support local communities and local businesses. To, they are they are goods and services that can be provided by local communities, but when it comes to the local content on mining goods, that that requires a different a scale of thinking. It requires the scale of thinking that we have now relating to the production of these uh, um, fancy automobiles. Now that's the level of thinking that we require there. You know what program are we looking at putting in place? where we bring the, the manufacturers of the, these, these large equipment, we bring the mines, we bring um, everybody together, we bring the DTI, and we say, well, what, which, which of these elements of these goods can be produced locally? We have called on the DTI and the DMRE to do that. Yes, we can try to bring in those, um, those companies because we, are, they, we buy from them. But let's not underestimate the pull that we have in South Africa. I mean, we make up less than 5% of their, of their market. We are really a, a small a component of their business. So you're going to be asking them to relocate their factories from wherever they are in the world uh, to come to South Africa, you know, for that 5% of their market. That is a challenge. So we've got to put propositions on the table that are appealing to them, that are appealing to us. That is not a local community issue. The other issues, yes, we can deal with at a, at a local level. Um, but in terms of meeting that local content target, that is a big challenge that uh, not only the mines can, that not the mines can achieve. On their own. I mean, you are familiar with the MID program. It is an extensive program. It is really an extensive program. And as we say, they're going to have 35 years to deal with that, uh, to get to that 30, to get to that 60% local content target. I don't know how else to emphasize this issue. And yes, we are willing to collaborate to, to say, well, okay, well, let's look at meeting uh, X target relating to local content. Let's do the analysis. Let's understand, you know, so. Uh, you know, what kind of targets can we meet? What targets are reasonable? South Africa, um, SABS is now uh, adopting a different approach. They're not looking at 60% uh, or nothing. They're looking at the, the actual local content uh, of some of the goods that are um, in the country. 
and giving companies a rating as to where they are, whether 10%, 20%, 30%. So in time, we will actually have a good understanding of where the local content targets, uh, sorry, lo actual local content uh, positions are. Um, and that will be able to inform us to say, okay, if we are as a country at, you know, 10 or 20% local content, then let's aim for a target in five to 10 years of X percent. But at least then it will be informed by some. Um, honorable, honorable uh, Lucifer, the, the, you, you pose a very important issue is, is the mining industry only willing to comply to binding or legally binding instruments? I would, I, would, I would argue that no. And, and I would say that our track record actually shows. I mean, as we've said, the, the, the mining charter has been a policy since the word go. When that first mining charter came out that we all signed, we were under no illusions as to the validity of the charter. Why did we sign it? We signed it because we knew it was a, it was a compact that was going to deal with how we were going to transform the industry. That is why we signed it as the mining sector. We did not say that this is an edict from parliament or a law from, no, that was not the case. And look at, look at the, the types of transformation that started already in, with the 2004 mining charter. The, by far the bulk of the, the hugely transformative trans deals that we have done were as a result of the 2004 mining charter. So already from back then, it was clear that the industry was willing to transform. Now, it was important that government put in place the MPRDA, that government put in place the framework legislation to enable this transformation, to push this transformation. I'm under no illusions that that, that was essentially the, the key stimulus, of course. It was absolutely essential for government to put in place the framework, to put in place the laws, to push the transformation of the sector. And that is what government did. But as to the details relating to how transformation should take place in terms of the charter, that was a policy instrument which the industry went and implemented with gusto. I mean, the results are there for themselves. Now, if people are, 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 are if, if people are disputing the extent of transformation in the country, well, let's, that's, that's a different discussion. Let's have that discussion. You know, what can we be doing to improve the employment equity uh, numbers of HDSAs in, 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 in the workforce? Let's have those discussions. But we can't dispute the actual levels of transformation itself. Otherwise, we'll go around and around and around and so Let's understand what the facts are. And then we work from that basis in terms of, well, where are we up and where do we want to go? So, you know, so honorable member, even though the court did not deal with the unreasonable or so reasonableness of the local content, that I think is unfortunate. But if you will look at the arguments that we raised as the council, it was on that basis that we said certain provisions were unreasonable. One, we said certain provisions were unreasonable. And two, we said certain provisions contradicted the MPRDA. 
The fact that the mining charter is policy or, 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 or as opposed to regulation is, is neither here nor there. We knew what the status of the charter was already from the NPRDA in 2002. We knew. The challenge related to some of the unreasonable provisions on the local content and the provisions that contradicted the NPRDA. Those had to be challenged. So it's not a matter of picking and choosing whether or not we want to meet certain targets. Some of the other targets that we have are challenging targets, and it's good. We must have stretched targets that you know, make us to, to, to strive to perform. Some might be met, some might not be. That's not the issue. We must drive transformation. But we cannot have an impossible target or targets that we can present the facts to show are unreasonable. And we could not tolerate a situation where the, the charter contradicted the MPRDA itself. The, the challenge there is relates to um, South Africa being a, a decent investment destination. If there is this contradiction relating to what needs to be done in order to, to, to operate in South Africa, then we will not have, whether it's foreign investors or local investors, spending the money in the South African context. Even local investors need certainty relating to it. If I know that I'm gonna buy a house and I'm gonna have the title deed to that house for a certain period at least, then I can make that investment. If I think if I'm gonna buy that house, but it could happen that within a short period of time that that title deed gets taken away from me, am I gonna make that investment as a local investor? I don't think so. So, honorable member, it was, it's not about us picking and choosing. It's not about us only uh, working with legally binding instruments. It was about the provisions in the charter that were the challenge. And that is why we, we do stress that the majority of the charter is untouched. We have not said that the entire charter must be revoked. We have not even, we have not said that. It's certain provisions in the charter that were problematic. By far, the majority of the, char the charter is untouched. Um, um, I'm going to just uh, allow, firstly, my colleague uh, Nikisi Yusufi to, to, to come in, and then uh, Alex, and then uh, Fundi to come in on those issues that were raised. Thanks, Tibello. Uh, good morning, uh, Chairperson. Uh, honorable members, uh, organized labor, and friends and colleagues. On the issue of migrant labor, uh, I think the point that is being raised is that uh, we should do away with the continued recruitment of uh, expatriate labor. I just want to put on the table that uh, there is no active program at the moment that uh, is recruiting uh, foreign labor into the mining industry. But what we have, we have a legacy issue, which uh, we are attending to. Just to give the facts, we, at in, in, in 2010, there were about 140,000 foreign, for, uh, foreign workers in the South African mining industry. Uh, as of yesterday, there are 35,000 uh, foreign workers on, 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 on the books of Deba. But uh, we have agreed, uh, with, we are agreeing with our members that uh, we should be looking at a phasing out strategy where 
if there is natural attrition, we replace them with local labor, and uh, we continue on that at, uh, natural attrition uh, trend until we have uh, uh, removed all foreign labor. But just to give the foreign labor uh, age profile, I think by natural attrition, I mean that uh, most of the foreign labor will probably be retiring in the next uh, five to 10 years. And uh, by 2030, we might only be having about 5,000 uh, foreign employees, but they also be phased out by natural attrition because of age and, 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 and retirement. So I do think that uh, it's not a real issue of concern per se in terms of the unemployment rate in South Africa as we see it, but by natural attrition, we should be able to, re to replace uh, foreign labor with local labor over time. Thank you, Chair. Alex, if you can come in. Good, thank you. Um, um, good uh, morning, Chair, um, members, um, organized labor, um, parliamentary staff, and, um, and colleagues. I'm going to deal with the two issues that I'm going to raise. One, actually, I'm going to combine. The first one is on um, the issue of infrastructure. Um, the mining industry, as part of its social and labor plans um, in the main, um, does commit quite a significant um, proportion of community investments into infrastructure, um, be it schools, be it roads, um, be it clinics, um, and other community-related um, infrastructure. The challenge is that um, 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 Alex, is there, can I ask that you go with uh, video? If you can just go with video, uh, I think that could be challenging. Thanks. Okay. Let me try and do that. Um, all right, let's hope that that's better. By its very nature, um, you know, the infrastructure space um, is short-lived in terms of um, economic opportunities, in terms of jobs that it creates. What we often find is that you know, we might be building a school, for instance, or a road um, that costs 20 to 30 million. Um, and we can only really employ local labor or host communities for a period of 18 to 24 months. When that project is completed, yes, we do have social infrastructure that is that is valuable, that is needed, um, but the economic opportunities in terms of employment that were there um, have also disappeared with the um, I'm, I'm phasing out of the, um, of the construction project. So our argument, um, as we would have seen in the presentation, in our assessment, we spend only 1.8% of our community investments in job-creating activities. And yet, one of the biggest challenges in our host communities is the issue of unemployment. If you go to um, you know, the Kalahari, um, where we mine manganese and iron ore, you've got unemployment of 55%. If you go to the Feist and Lim, Verasport and Stillport, you've got a very similar challenge in terms of unemployment. As we speak, there is unrest in the Feist and Lim around Verasport and Stillport and Leidenberg. So communities are up in arms um, because they do not feel the presence of um, 
the mining industry due to the lack of employment opportunities. In the very same area, the industry has committed to rebuilding what is known as the steel bridge at a cost of 80 million rand. We have committed to making sure that um, the two of them um, in um, steel port does actually benefit communities by committing to building water infrastructure for the coconut district, um, water treatment infrastructure. It hasn't been built since that dam was opened by former President Jacob Zuma in 2011. Um, communities still don't have water, yet the pipeline passes through their properties and their land to get to the money. So it is important that we, we work with um, government, with local, provincial, and national, to ensure that infrastructure is delivered. But we still feel that government needs to play a bigger role in infrastructure delivery. Local government is a section 153 of the Constitution that guides them in terms of you know, the mandates that they need to um, execute. So for us, you know, the issue of infrastructure, we are not saying that we do not want to take part in um, contributions to the to infrastructure. We just think that you know, um, the various spheres of government need to play um, 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 their, their part um, in, in this teamwork, as we see it. And, and that allowed the industry to focus on sustainable employment creation opportunities. And this is a, a, um, a double-sided um, 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 positive sword, so to speak, because if we were to spend more time on economic opportunities, more resources on economic opportunities, it would also then ensure that we have more investments in supporting local entrepreneurs um, who, in turn, could become part and parcel of the, um, of the procurement value chain around our host community. Well, on the one of um, um, community engagement um, and, and, and business forums, I'm going to bring that um, together. Um, honorable um, members, it is true that uh, we probably do not engage adequately as communities, um, um, as, as, um, as the industry when it comes to communities. Um, we do intensify community engagements when we are planning for our next round of social and never plans. Um, but that's legislatively inadequate. And often, once the um, SLP has been signed off by the various stakeholders, um, the level of engagement um, is decreased significantly. That is an area uh, that we need to improve on. But we do um, appreciate the fact that um, the MPFD regulations of 2019 do require mining companies um, to engage communities at least three times a year. Um, as part of ensuring that the, the, the projects that they committed to in the SLPs uh, um, are being executed, or that communities are given regular updates on the performance of the industry when it comes to social and development. But our communities are disempowered in many um, respects. Their voices are often not heard um, it, through the IDB process at municipal level, and sometimes, you know, in engagements with um, mining companies. Hence, you know, the um, mushrooming of business forums that um, tend to, um, 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 to believe that they are the legitimate voice of um, community. Most mines are located in traditional authority areas. And yet you will find that um, those business forums, self-appointed as they are, um, they usurp the role of traditional authorities 
and their voices, the voices of the TA, um, is often limited. So it is important that as an industry and uh, working together with the um, regulator, we are in a position to, um, um, to find the best possible platforms to engage, to ensure that the voiceless are heard, and this also applies to, like, to the youth and to women, transition authorities, and these aspirants, smaller aspirant entrepreneurs who are, whose voices are often dropped by the powerful in this particular. So yes, um, community engagement is, we start at an ideal level and COVID-19 has not made matters any better, but as an industry, we are committed to um, improving the way that we engage. And for us, engagement um, needs to be meaningful. Um, 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 you know, members express the view that, you know, um, it's often a done deal in the case, the sleep service that is paid. That might be happening in, in certain years. But for us as a Women's Council, with our members, we are trying to push for the type of engagement that is meaningful, that um, is respectful, that is transparent, but also that takes into account the legitimacy of representation um, as we do this. So it, it is, um, other members, an area that we want to continue improving on. Um, and we will continue working with the um, regulator, which we have done in places such as Bumalan, um, uh, to ensure that you know engagement platforms um, um, are there to ensure that you know the voice of the voiceless to speak are uh, also there. Thank you, Chair. Afternoon, Chair, um, and afternoon, everyone. Um, all protocol observed. I do not want to, uh, I just want to get into the, the meat of the discussion um, and the question that was posed, which speaks to women in mining and what we're actually doing about it. Um, if, you, if you can still see me, it's fine, but if there's a bit of an issue, I will switch off my camera so that um, I can probably be heard a little bit better. But I think the question is relevant, and I think um, the industry has always said that the women in mining numbers or the representation of women in the sector is a huge challenge. Um, and it's a challenge that we are dealing with. It's a challenge not only for the, um, um, the mining sector in South Africa, but it's a challenge for um, most mining um, jurisdictions. So if we look back at where we are, um, um, if we look back just to say, you know, um, where does this come from? So women were only um, allowed under, into underground mining from about 1996. So if you look at what, where we are right now, we're sitting at 14%. It has taken the industry almost 14, um, almost um, 26 years to achieve 14% representation of women, which again is a challenge, but it's something that we are working towards. And this is globally aligned. Um, you know, other countries, whether you be looking at Canada or Australia, are also sitting at between 16 and 18%. And they've had an almost similar timeframe in terms of looking um, at the number or the representation of women in, in their mining spaces as well. Um, the other issue that we're saying is that, you know, those targets that we've set, so the targets that Dimela was speaking about earlier on, are targets that have been set by the Minerals Council or that are progressive targets that the mining sector has set for themselves to say, we know where we are, we understand what the challenges are, but let's unpack it. What do we think we will be able to achieve um, in the next 10 to 15 years? And we've then come up with the targets to say, by 2035, we're working on a 30 to 40% representation of all women in mining. Um, and again, to then emphasize and say, but we will target 50% um, of women in mining um, in management positions. 
This is again over and above our current legislation. This is over and above what is currently in the mining charter or what we are currently in consultations with um, in terms of the Department of Employment and Labor. Again, there is a, you know, there's, there's a body of how this can be um, achieved. So there are targets that have been set in the mining charter, which were five-year targets with the, which the industry is working hard to be able to achieve. But again, these targets are much lower than these targets that the mining industry has set for itself. Um, and again, when we talk about you know, the, the current um, consultations that are taking place between the Department of Employment and Labor, these are consultations where we're talking about sectorial targets being set for each sector and mining being one of them. And again, these targets are what the industry will also um, be measured against in terms of women in mining. But again, what I wanted to emphasize is the fact that you know these are 15 to these are I mean, these are targets that we set for ourselves over a 15-year target. They are progressive, um, and if we look at it from a numbers and the devil in the detail perspective, which is what I think sometimes the you know things get lost in in, in this is that yes, there's a target. But if you're sitting at a 14% in 2022 and you're setting a target, so let's say of 40% in 2035, that's a threefold increase um, over a 13 or a 13 year period. So it's quite a huge and very aspirational target. And I think with the policies um, that the mining industry is putting into place, so we've got a, an actual an active woman in mining leadership forum, which meets on a quarterly basis, looking and unpacking some of these issues. And again, you know, the, the, the actual representation is one thing. So having and meeting these numbers is, is a big part of what we need to achieve. But I think for women um, in the mining space and what we're hearing from, the, from the, some of the surveys and the con, um, conversations that are taking place, there's a whole lot more that needs to change. So the industry needs to deal with culture issues. It needs to deal with patriarchy. It needs to deal with sexual harassment. It needs to deal with safety and PPE that is going to be conducive for women and is going to attract women um, a lot more into the sector. And again, you also look at, you need to look at the pipeline. So what are we doing in terms of ensuring that there'll be more women coming into the sector? Um, so if you look at universities currently, you know, a lot more women are entering the fields of mining engineering and geology and those kind of studies. And this will assist in ensuring that, you know, we build a pipeline that will then be uh, um, employed in future years within the mining space. And again, it's not a five-year um, process. So you do not graduate with a, a, a degree in mining engineering and automatically then move into senior or, or top management. So again, that's why we've set the targets on each occupational level so that it's easier. So we can, you know, you can track and trace, um, you know, the actual the, the milestones that you've created for yourself, which will then, um, you know, also culminate in terms of your total um, target that you've set for yourself of women in mining. Um, and again, I think, you know, also the changes that are taking place within the mining space. So um, 4IR is playing a big role in terms of how we are seeing um, that women in mining will be better represented in the industry with the technology and the innovation that comes um, that will be um, playing a, a bigger part in terms of how we see the minds of the future, um, even though the numbers of people, so the actual numbers um, of people are, um, are shrinking in terms of people employed in the mining space. And this has been happening um, over the past 20 years in, in, in any case. But these numbers will continue to shrink, but the pie
they're hoping will also be able to increase. So again, it's, you know, with the innovation and the technology, um, you're opening up to say, you know, maybe the, the heavy parts of mining and, and the down and dirty um, parts of mining, which um, were, were for whatever reason, you know, legislated that women would not be able to um, to fully participate in, um, is, is going to be, you know, almost removed because women will be able to fully participate in the mining space and the technology and the innovation part. And there are also women who are currently, you know, today in these mines and doing extremely well, um, whether we are, you know, still, um, you know, at not as mechanized as we would see, as we are hoping that the mines of the future would be. So again, it's a progressive um, target. There are milestones that, are, that have been set in order for us to achieve this big target. Um, and I think it should be, you know, it's a challenge that we are not going alone as the mining industry. So we've got collaborations with the DMRE, um, who again, you know, gets a lot of this data on an annual basis. And if they're able to, you know, share that data, help us um, understand, you know, where the where the issues are, where the challenges are in terms of, you know, what, what prohibits or what challenges women from entering the space. Um, we will then be able to have, as mining industry, you know, devise better um, strategies that will then ensure that there are more women that will be able to not only enter the mining space, but also be retained in mining. So again, you know, with the 50% increase in terms of, or the 50% representation in engineering um, courses, it does not automatically translate to the 50% enrollment of women um, in, in terms of, of mining um, recruitments. So again, what is the disconnect? Um, are, are women in my or are young girls that are coming out of um, universities with mining um, degrees? Um, are they finding spaces and mines and how are they being groomed? Um, what, what is being what is happening in terms of, you know, the you know, from recruitment all the way up until retention and promotion? And we are working on these cases. So, again, working with the DMRE, collaborating with um, international bodies on women in mining so that, you know, South Africa can also learn. Um, you know, from other jurisdictions on how they are attracting um, a greater representation of women in mining, but again, also working with the university. So it's it's a problem that or a challenge that all of us need to, you know, put our heads together and try and resolve. And I think with the current structures and, you know, the the, the raising the bar to say, you know, gender is on the agenda for 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 the sector. Um, I think we are in a in a good space to be able to track and monitor progress and achieve our target. So without taking up too much more time, I think that kind of answers, you know, the where are we and why why have we set such a, a long-term target? Um, and I'll leave it there for now. I, I don't know. I don't know whether anyone was asked questions. No, no, wait. And Minkosa, Minkosa. In my in my previous life, ne, yeah. uh, I would write 30 pages ne, or, or 16 pages. And then when uh, they ask me questions, I will respond as if I'm carrying 66 pages. My worry is that um, you, you either shortchanged us, gave us little information, and um, when the questions are being asked, you become very passionate mm -hmm. to an extent that uh, the time spent in responding, and I can't say we don't want the information, but please next time give us this information to a point where it doesn't have to be probed.
and it becomes more than the presentation itself. Can I uh, allow allow me to go to the next partner so that uh, they don't feel disadvantaged? But let's ask be cautious of time. Uh, did I thought NUM you wanted to 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 make your your, your input? Please be considerate. There is also still uh, after you. There will be recording stopped. There recording in progress. There is um, there is Yuasa. Uh, I will come back if there is any other point to or when it comes to the the the, the time that we are having. I'm just worried about time. Anyway, yeah, Commissioner, uh, thank you, Chair. Uh, I think uh, one one area that uh, was not asked NUM, but NUM is party to it, is the agreement that uh, whenever a mine worker is uh, is died through mine accident or is being deported uh, through terminal ill because of occupational disease, uh, his relative or his son or whatever must replace him where he comes from outside the country or is a citizen of South Africa. Uh, it's something that we are in agreement to and uh, we still maintain it because we represent all mine workers that are working in the mines. So um, the reason why uh, that worker should represent uh, his father or mother, it is because the father has an occupational disease from the same mine or is died from an accident, mine accident. But the, 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 the non-citizens who left the mine uh, without such a uh, problem, uh, they are not being uh, represented by somebody from outside South Africa. But the only issue of the tribunal that we have, uh, we have uh, proposed as NUM, we believe that uh, uh, the, the person that was asking, he said, where will that uh, body be placed? The body will be placed uh, squarely under uh, the mineral, uh, under the mineral uh, DMR, but it will have representatives, legal representatives from, uh, from labor uh, in monitoring uh, the, imp the, 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 the implementation uh, of the charter accordingly. Uh, so uh, that body will be residing within the DMR. Uh, on the question of uh, why are we saying there's lack of implementation uh, of uh, the, the charter uh, or through SLBs, uh, let me start with uh, the ESOPs. Look, today, Angogoda Shanti has just... Uh, be disbanded itself in South Africa. Uh, they have done nothing uh, to implement the charter in terms of uh, uh, ESOPs uh, for workers. We have bigger companies here, Harmony, we have uh, and other companies, uh, Goldfields and others. Though you have that structure of ESOPs, we are saying as the National Union of Mine Workers, those ESOPs are not reflecting the, 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 the profit that these companies are accumulating. For instance, Sebanye, uh, which we are on strike, in strike now, it has made a, a, a profit of 28 billion 
in the financial year of 2021 and 2022. But what do workers have gained from that? Nothing. So hence we are saying uh, this mining charter, SLBs are not implemented. Go to Orkney and uh, look how potholes are in town and, uh, and in the suburbs. Uh, something that was not happening before, uh, 1994, this mining company knew very well that they are responsible to assist the municipalities there. We are saying uh, these companies are collaborating with uh, mayors and councillors uh, to give gifts and money uh, in, the, in the place of uh, infrastructure development around the mining communities. This is something that they are not doing. In Canada, uh, the SLB there is that if a company come and invest, uh, that company, it is given mandate to start to implement uh, a, a, a SLB before it can even start to operate, build a hospital or a clinic. I don't know this thing that uh, South Africa, uh, it is a, a disinvestment destiny because it has policies that demand that uh, companies must be responsible for citizens. It's just a fallacy. You go to Ghana, uh, this Ashanti is a state-owned mining company that have shares uh, with Anglo Gold Ashanti. You go to Botswana, uh, the DBRs uh, have uh, 51 stake from the Botswana, which is owned by government. I don't know what is special about South Africa that uh, investors will not come here if they should actually deliver uh, to citizens. So uh, we are saying uh, this charter, uh, as it is, when it is not a law, and we are, we, we, we are not shaking from that position. Uh, it is just a document that is toothless. Uh, it must be incorporated into uh, MPRDA, and uh, it, it must have punitive measures for those companies that are failing uh, to comply with it. And that's our position. Thank you very much, Comrade Chair. Thank you. Thank you, Chairperson. Honorable Chair, let me respond. I've made some notes here. The first question came from Honorable Lorimer from the DA. I've heard him ask a few questions about investment, asking us, you know, why are we anti-big capital and what do we propose about investment and what would be the role? The thing I want to, to, to stress here is that the main reason cited by investors for either disinvesting in South Africa or not choosing to invest in South Africa is policy uncertainty. Now, if we take that to be true, I'm not saying it is, but if we take that to be true, what they are actually telling us is they want greater certainty of what will happen. I've actually heard uh, business people say things like, tell us rather, rather tell us, like Comrade Joseph from Kusato was saying, rather tell us that 50% of mines will be owned by government. Rather tell us that, and we know that, and it's legislation, and then we can continue on our business, and they will invest. So I think the, the problem with the mining charter, which I, I feel, Chair, that we are kind of Missing the agenda point here of today, the main point 
is on the charter and the court ruling. And that relates specifically to the status of the charter, whether it is enforceable or whether it is a policy. And the, the, the High Court told us, no, it is a policy. And I think the fact that this policy changes all the time, Honorable Roma, every few years we hear grumblings from Minister Montage, then the, the investor camp confidence goes down again. And all of that is perhaps a design error. There's a, there's a problem with the design. And hence, we also, and I, I'm glad to hear that anyone supports us, that we must amend the MPRDA to give more teeth to the mining charter. That way, once it's been passed through as legislation, we know that there will be investors. They will know what the parameters are for them to come to our country and operate here. Another thing we must remember is that, yes, you may say that foreign direct investment is hesitant, but we know through bodies like SAMDA, you know them, the South African Mining Development Agency, under uh, Bridget Khadebe, there are a lot of black interests in investing in mines, young miners, up and comings. Yes, they lack capital, but surely through the IDC and other, other sources of capital, we can assist them. We can build capacity. We can deal with it. So the, the comments we made about investment earlier, honorable members, was about creating it for ourselves, grow our own. Let's use our own resources, our own skills, our own passion to develop these minerals. So let's not be overly focused on foreign direct investment. Just to touch on the issue that uh, 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 Mr. Lorimer posed to NUM about the wage gap, saying what, what do we do? But he asked, what does NUM do? Maybe to inform everybody that we do a lot. We currently in court with uh, Sibanya Stillwater and with uh, Harmony Gold on the underpayment of overtime for years. We are taking them to court. We've got the same chamber of mines in a case for specifically wage inequality. And both of these matters are proceeding. So we are spending a lot of time and resources in addressing the legacy issues when it comes to inequality in our country, which is only addressed through transformation. Let me move to the question by Honorable Madukwe. She said, uh, asked, how do we ensure a transformation as unions? We are very critical of DMRE, but what do we do? Uh, Honorable Madukwe, Maybe I can tell you and give you an example. You might have noticed in 2020, when uh, COVID broke out in March, it's almost two years ago to the day, there was a lot of rumblings in mining. You might recall that the minister of DMRE was very quick to get the mining of precious minerals to be declared an essential service. What, how ludicrous can it be? that the mining of precious metals can be an essential service in any effect, they managed to get mines to go on. At that time, I think many of us honorable members, comrades, 
will agree that some of us thought the world would end. And Anku was faced with a very difficult situation whereby we had to ensure the safety of our members. While all of us were working from home, some of us still do, there was this call, they must come back. They must go underground. They don't care about COVID. And at that point, we had to do what the union shouldn't be. We had to go to court to ensure that the regulations, which still operate today for COVID, are attached to the Disaster Management Act, that we are able to enforce them. Because we knew, even though the same Chamber of Mines, Minerals Council, wanted to have a code of good practice, a 10-point plan, they called it, we knew that the capability <coughs> and the willingness of mines, specifically smaller mines, will not be to comply. And what will happen is our members will die. So as an example, Honorable Madupe, what we did then is we intervened and we went to court and luckily we won. And we ensured that the DMRE had to legislate those minimum standards of what type of mask to wear, what, uh, what distance, social distancing, hygiene, testing and screening, etc. So that's a very good example of uh, what we do to assist the DMRE to be stronger. Please, I, I don't want any DMRE official who's at this meeting to think that Anku is critical of DMRE blindly. We are not. We are saying the powers of the DMRE and the minister must be made bigger when it comes to socioeconomic issues such as transformation. Hence our call that the MPRDA must be amended accordingly to allow the minister to enforce, to firstly inspect, to ensure compliance, and to penalize, institute punitive measures, as uh, Comrade NUM uh, President said, when there is non-compliance. So that is, that is where we want to go. Lastly, the issue of Honorable Chairperson himself. Uh, Honorable Chair, firstly, let me appreciate your helicopter view of this judgment. I think we share a lot on, on what we see. You summarized it so well to say that uh, the, the, the ruling doesn't tell us anything. The judgment doesn't tell us anything about MP or the mining charter being unrealistic. Rather, it affirmed and confirmed the fact that it is only a policy. And you then asked the question to say, but you are concerned because you hear voices, and I'm sure you, you were referring to my voice on behalf of Ampu as well, that are now speaking of greater regulation. And to your mind, that greater regulation shows a lack of confidence amongst the social partners. And I want to say, yes, Chair, you hit the nail on the head. There is a lack of confidence and a lack of trust in the mining sector. And the reason for that lack of trust, and I'm glad you admonished the Minerals Council for them going to court on these matters, is they can pay lip service as much as they want to comply with these nice uh, coffee and tea sessions where we talk about the Minerals Council and we say, yes, yes, no, we will do this, we will do that. But when, it, when, the, when the rubber hits the road, then they don't want to comply. So that is, they actually showed us their true colors and they showed us 
that they want this to be regulated more strictly. Comrade Chair, there is uh, another comrade of mine, Comrade Bokoloshe, that wants to add something. Comrade Bokoloshe. Thank you, thank you, Chair. No, I just want to, Chair, to bring this issue to our attention, the issue of replacement agreement. Comrade Montesetzi has tried also to explain. But, but I want to, to, to bring this issue to your attention. I think thanks for your view, but I know the kind of employers that we are dealing with. It may happen after this meeting, the same chamber of minds made the communication to, the, to their members to change those agreements. But what I want to bring, as AMCO, we 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 keeping on 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 calling that can you move away to this agreement of replacement? Can after you have killed the breadwinner give that basic salary to the to the to the beneficiary? We believe a human being, the beneficiary is the wife, obviously, or the children, until the pensionable age. And, and, and we are having a concern because if you look at the number of women that are in the mining industry currently, they came through that agreement of replacement. They leave the children at home unattended. And, and, and we, we keep on saying, can you give this money to the to the to the beneficiary and the, so that the widow she will take the full responsibility of the children? But it is the employer deciding that no, 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 the best way is to bring them to the mine. So that because the reason, some of the reason is because of the salary, the, the, the payments in terms of this compensation. Uh, the mines are not paying anything. The rent mushwar is taking a responsibility to pay, and you get paid. A base to your salary. If you are earning five thousand, you'll get two thousand grand. Uh, the the beneficiary. So based on those things, as Amco, we are still maintaining our position that it will be much better if they give that the basic of the disease to the beneficiary. So that is the issue that I was want to bring to your attention. Thank you. You answer? Sorry, Chair. My computer just freezed a little bit. Chair, yes. Look, the long and the short being, I think uh, what we have here is, and, and, and I must say, the fact that Organized labor, business, as well as government, can sit on one platform and react and have this robust discussion. Just pinpoint the fact that we can sit down and get to a collective agreement which we can sign off so that everything is then legally on paper, in black and white, and at the end of the day, we can then assist with a way going forward. Because we need to, 
we need to be realistic in the sense of once you start changing law, then it is a process. And that process is going to be longer than just a constructive discussion to get to a collective agreement which we can all sign off. And therefore, from your ASA side, you know, in conclusion, we just say, let's do the right thing, please. Let's sit down. If we if we decide we want to change law, let's do it. But then let's agree. Let's all agree to it, and let then let that take the, uh, its course. But in the meantime, we need to get some certainty. And in terms of that certainty, we can come up with a mining charter three that is consulted constructively and signed off as a collective agreement. So please, I'm asking every one of us to just set our minds for one minute to the best of the people of South Africa. And that is that we can get something constructively done so that we can all benefit. Thank you, Chair. Uh, thank you very much, good people, uh, for your inputs. Um, I think it gives us a perspective of um, what could uh, what could happen, um, and I think the discussion from the committee will be able to lead us what should be the alternative, uh, if there is any, or what parties should do. Um, but. Uh, from where I sit as a chair, I can only add that uh, whilst you are still fresh from this, uh, in particular the stakeholders, direct stakeholders, um, start the process uh, of this nature. You may have gone to court. The problem I've always said, if you take that route at times, it becomes too antagonistic. There is a winner, there is a loser. And once there is a winner, the loser will always want to win. So relations become the problem. Uh, I think that's what I must uh, we should, uh, one should, we should encourage. Um, I don't know what will be the outcome, but I think in my view, we need to, uh, amongst other things, look at a a well-canvassed, well-consultative process. Um, uh, I hear what uh, Minkosa is raising. They, they may be correct, but I always say, that to me becomes the issue. And um, going forward, uh, I think we will have to find a way. Um, I'm still not moved um, with regards to the basis of the court case itself. Um, it, it still borders on trust issues. And I can assure you if uh, parties um, always resolve matters in the manner that there must be an adjudicated judicial process, it will always be a difficult thing to do. But uh, we will, I'm sure, as a, as a committee, uh, considering other outstanding matters, we may come back to yourselves 
uh, in suggestion on how to manage this situation. Um, on that note, uh, I don't want us to open any longer because we won't have time. Can we go to the minutes now? I am the, I am the Ari. Hello. Um, the uh, let's leave the the standard thing. Except if there is a member whose uh, name is written wrongly, let's go to point two. Uh, <laughs> Point three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Uh, any mover? Of the minutes. Is that uh, honorable for Yes. Yeah, I, I hereby move for the adoption of the minutes, Chair. Any second? Our second chair, Browns here from you also. Ah, yeah. No, 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 these are our minutes. Wait, 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 wait. France, France is progressive, Che. Uh, uh, you can call that ambition, sir. Any second, huh? Honorable member. Otherwise, we'll sleep. We'll, we'll sleep. <laughs> Okay, thank you. Uh, your answer is progressive. You can see a delay in progress. Uh, any matters arising, honorable members? Okay, in the absence of uh, matters arising, uh, the meeting stands adjourned uh, until we meet again, except to say we I will have to consult with the team and check because now parliament on the date they were saying is for oversight it seems to be a normal day or, or a normal week of proceedings we will then have to consider there are urgent matters that we have not finalized those include even today's meeting but also there is the issue of the fuel crisis that we need to deal with and finalize uh, and many other matters, including the report with regards to the uh, uh, risk mitigation independent power producer process. And uh, we will then have to table all those, you know, those things. We'll have to try and finalize them and see whether by priority, which ones can we put during that week uh, of um, uh, uh, which now has been uh, 
included as a, as a normal week of operations. On that note, Honorable Mid members, the meeting stands adjourned. Thank you very much. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, everyone. Have a safe day. Thanks, everyone. Happy long weekend. Thank you. Mama Linda. Recording stopped.